This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. ¿Qué tal amigos? Les habla el cero miedo de la lucha libre, Pentagon Junior, para mandar un saludo a todos mis amigos de este podcast, y ya saben, puro cero miedo. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, the show that may exceed or or be as good as or even exceed WrestleMania. Episode number 138. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. My name is Nick Howell. And live from the east wing of the Mandalay Bay in lovely Las Vegas, I am... Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome <laughs> to the show. I am here in Vegas for AEW's Double or Nothing. That's happening tomorrow night, Nick. And I am here ready to oh go. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know you're in Vegas when you, you go to Starbucks, you get your coffee, and you stop by the bar next door, and you ask for a shot of Bailey's and a shot of Grand Marnier, and you just pour it into your coffee in front of the bartender, and the bartender kind of goes, eh. Like it's nothing. Or you could just have ordered an Irish coffee from the bar and uh, skip the middleman. Starbucks still not carrying uh, Irish coffees, unfortunately. <laughs> um, no, I meant go to the bar. Instead of ordering shots, just order an Irish coffee. Oh, I'm fancy. I get I get cold brew. I'm one of those. Oh. I get, I get oh, cold brew. Oh, oh. Yes, it's smoother and higher in caffeine. Unless acid. So foregone you know. the danger cave, you've made your way to Las Vegas for double or nothing. Yes. The, pr- the premier event. Uh, for uh, for uh, all elite wrestling, yeah. what's, what's your anticipation like? Uh, pretty high. I'm very excited, and uh, Starcast is going on right now. I'm going to make my way over there once we are finished recording this show today. Check all of that out. Maybe catch a panel. Definitely uh, walk around and see what they're doing. And uh, yeah, uh, also tomorrow before the actual Double Nothing show, I'm going to be at the uh, front bar of the MGM. That big circle bar in the front, uh, hanging there for about an hour or so before the show. So if any of our listeners are in the area, come say hi. Definitely going to be talking to everyone on our Facebook discussion group. Speaking of our Facebook discussion group, Nick, why don't you run down every way that everyone can... Interact with the show. Let's do a little housekeeping. Yes, absolutely, guys. Come join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. It is the hub of our operation. You definitely want to be in there for some weekly threads on all of the WWE shows. Uh, special uh, threads on like Double or Nothing this week uh, to c- converse with all of our listeners uh, and fans in that group, uh, as well as us, I should say, uh, on all of the weekly shows. 
Definitely want to be in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. So head over there, facebook.com, search for Busted Wide Open, hit that join button. You can find us there. Also, hit us up on Twitter, at BWO Podcast. Hit that follow button. And uh, I've, I forgot, I haven't been saying it lately, we have an Instagram now. Ooh. So we are on Instagram at BWO Podcast. You can find us over there. We're going to start doing a little bit more with, with Instagram as well, so be sure you're following, following us on Instagram. And last but certainly not least, uh, hit us up, or, well, I should say YouTube, because breaking news! What? Beep, 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 beep. We're going live next week, oh, gang. Oh, yes! We're back! Back, We're back to the YouTubes. Wow. And if you want to get in and see us live next week, you got to be subscribed to the channel, youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. It's taken us about six to eight months <laughs> to execute this move and rebuild it's everything happening. from scratch oh. with all of the new technology and everything, but we are there. Yes. And if you guys, uh, hopefully you heard and enjoyed the interview with uh, Ryan Nimeth from earlier this week. Ryan right, right, Nim Nim. A lot of great feedback on that, and that was like the initial test. Like, I don't know, let's do our first ever interview with a completely brand new rig and setup, but it worked. It worked. And, it worked uh, brilliant. Everything went fine. Yeah, that was a, that was We're a really fun interview. We're going to the exact same thing for the live setup. Really fun interview. Thank you very much to Ryan Nemeth for that. If you guys haven't checked it out, please do. We covered a ton of topics, very wide-ranging interview, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so check that out on the channel as well for sure yes very much fun nick i'm excited to go live man people are going to be able to see how beautiful your luscious beard has become they'll be able to get yes. the first glimpse of uh, the naiad the beginnings of the naiad jacks shrine it's gonna yes. be a, that's gonna be great man i'm glad we're going live again absolutely well hey last but certainly not least uh thank you very much to all of our patrons uh i hope you're enjoying all of your perks and fancy stuff that you get behind the scenes and hey if you guys want to get in on some of that action uh head over to patreon.com slash bwo sign up for one of those reward tiers for copies of show notes the ability to ask listener questions every week here on the show that sir ian dangerous and i will answer uh bonus episodes at the ten dollar tier t-shirts and other swag and merch and all kinds of perks up and up through the tiers so patreon.com slash bwo definitely want to get in there we're currently at 33 patrons and if you if we want to hear nick's phone get remixed into the naya step naya jack's cough dubstep remix ringtone i don't know what we're that calling sounds it very complex basically we're going to make yeah. nick's ringtone into nia jack's coughing as a dubstep song if we reach 50 patrons plus probably a lot of other stuff yes. we're going to be very happy i mean the the fact that the, the patrons is growing so quickly is I, i'm blown away and and really thank you yeah. to everyone who's a patron of the show and thank you to all of our future patrons you guys make this all possible it, it and it really means so much to us so it's it's awesome yes. And it makes me excited every time I get to pick up this microphone and do this show. Uh, but that being said, Nick, we have a ton of show to get to today. Between doing our pickums for Double or Nothing, talking about WWE, they had a bunch of stuff happen this week, including a new title. And also, we got listen. We got a ton of listener questions this week. The best of Super Juniors is going on over in New Japan, and I was up at six thirty this morning trying to figure out the bracketology of that, which is which was just disgusting. Uh, I can't wait to get into all of that, Nick. <laughs> but first things first, we have to talk about the big news. 
Yes, as we previously stated, you are in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay for AEW All or, or sorry, Double or Nothing at All Elite Wrestling. There you go. Mixed up yes. there. And the, the premier event of the brand new wrestling promotion, All Elite Wrestling. Um, I got to say, man, I didn't know a year ago that we would get here. Going into, coming out of the summer last year with everything leading towards All In. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get to go to that because I thought it would be a one-off. Little did I know, less than six months later, we would have a brand new wrestling promotion and everything that has come to be with AEW, and the day has finally arrived. Yeah, I remember we were actually saying, like, well, it's really great they're doing All In. Hopefully, when they do All In 2, we'll be able to go if they even do it. And here we are. Nearly a year later, and they've got a whole company. They've got a, a TV deal with TNT. They're getting promotions for Double or Nothing on the NBA Finals. Like, good Lord, they're, they are not messing around. Uh, as you say, I am at the Mandalay Bay. That's where I'm staying, but they are doing the show at the MGM. And also, there's the StarCast uh, uh, going on. Uh, which is a whole convention going on at Caesar's Palace at the same time. So there's a ton. This is a whole weekend. It's a whole like fan experience here in Las Vegas. I've already seen a whole bunch of T-shirts walking around. So it's it's fun to be here and see everything going on. Um, that being said, there's some news about the AEW show that we need to get to right now. For instance, one of their major, one of their, I think they're arguably their top three matches is off, or rather, has already happened. Uh, Pac versus Hangman Page was one of the first matches they actually had announced for this show, and it is now off due to what they're calling creative differences. Uh, if you haven't heard what happened, basically Pac is the Dragon Gate champion. He's very loyal to that company, and that was actually the first thing he did when he got out of WWE finally. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like uh, the varying reports, but it, the, the consensus seems to be that since a, like, there's a bunch of conflicting uh, like hard lines here. AEW does not want to have a muffled finish on a pay-per-view. In other words, wins or losses only, no DQs and no uh, you know, uh, screwy finishes. They want to have serious, solid finishes, which means someone's got to win, someone has to lose, and in AEW, wins and losses will count. Well, the problem with that is, is that Pac is not, the Dragon Gate's not going to allow its champion to lose, and if Pac wins then he's going to be in line to uh, get a shot at the AEW championship, which they're not going to let him win. So somewhere along the line there, basically, uh, they didn't, Pac, Pac had to back out because they booked themselves into a corner, uh, plus with the priorities that they all have. So it's interesting because right off the bat, we're looking at AEW having troubles with having employing people who are with other companies, other promotions, who have other priorities. Um, and... We actually discussed this in the discussion group even this morning as far as what this means going forward. Is this just a road bump? They learned their lesson? Or is this a sign of something more serious down the road? And I'm not sure. I, I personally think this is just a road bump and uh, something that going forward they're going to have to keep in mind when they're making these matches. Yeah, But it is unfortunate. I was looking forward to that match. We actually did actually – they actually had that match. That match went on. Uh, we actually posted it in the discussion group. Uh, it's already happened. And the end of the match was a muffled finish where Pac injured Hangman Page's leg. And uh, so I, they don't, they're they actually promoting now that Page might not be able to wrestle at double or nothing at all, which I, I'm pretty sure is storyline. But 
that means they, they've been saying they're going to replace it with a, quote, better match. We still haven't heard what that might be. Well, in addition to the Pac versus Page fiasco, we've also got something going, going on with Sean Spears is now the number 10 entrant in the new Battle Royal. You know why that's, that's meaningful, right? No, I don't. Well, you know what Sean Spears' other name is? What might that be? The Perfect 10, Ty Dillinger. Yes! Yep, that's, that's awesome. What a way to have him break free from WWE, come out at number 10, <laughs> of course, in the Battle Royale. So, yep, Sean Spears to AEW, confirmed! Confirmed! <laughs> it's going to happen. That's awesome. I'm looking forward. One more reason to look forward to that Battle Royale. But we'll get into all that later when we do our pickums for AEW. Right now, we have to move on and talk about some more grim news. Uh, this week, we found out that Ashley Massaro... Uh, her recent death was indeed ruled a suicide. Uh, and the allegations against WWE continue. Her lawyer uh, continued to push an affidavit that she signed back in 2017 saying that WWE was responsible for a horrible incident that happened to her uh, in uh, the Middle East on one of their tours uh, where she was apparently assaulted and WWE told her to, to keep quiet. Essentially, uh, WWE has roundly denied this. Um, they actually their their response was, and I quote, at no time was Vince McMahon or the management of WWE ever informed by Ashley Massaro or anybody else that she had been sexually assaulted, drugged, raped or sodomized by a military doctor with a nurse standing guard while on a goodwill tour in 2007 to U.S. military bases in Kuwait. In fact, if she ever articulated such a claim to WWE, we would have reported it immediately to the base commander. At no time was there ever a meeting with Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn, John Laurinaitis or other company executives in which she told them of such a claim and was instructed to keep it quiet. So strong denial by WWE, perhaps not the best worded one ever. Uh, they also said that uh, this was basically just her uh, lawyer, quote, uh, furthering his malicious campaign against WWE by releasing an affidavit that she submitted to the court and later apologized to WWE for being involved with. So, yes, hard denial. What do you think about all this, Nick? It's hard to really articulate how, I, how this makes me feel because on one hand, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of WWE. I'm a fan of their product. I watch their product. Reading stuff like this makes me want to shut it off. And I understand why certain fans have have gone through that. Uh, I understand the reactions. I understand it. On the other hand, uh, I'm also a businessman. I'm, I also understand that there's two sides to every story. It's unfortunate that Ashley uh, has has gone beyond at this point. And we will not be able to have that out in a court of law where we can have due process and due diligence. And it's not just a he said, she said type of fiasco. Either way, I'm always on, I'm always going to err on the side of something like this should never even be a conversation. It should never even be, it should never even be so close to a lot being allowed to happen that it ever could possibly exist in the first place. And I'm disappointed in the fact that whether let I believe her, I want to make that clear. I believe her. I believe that something like that could happen. I believe that something like that probably did happen. I believe it's probably not the first time that something like that has happened to any other number of female superstars in the WWE. Uh, I, I have no proof that it did, but I believe her. My gut believes her. However, unable to 
produce any proof WWE is able to completely deny across the board with no real consequence. And it's going to remain that way. That's not going to change, folks. It's, it's, that's not going to change. An affidavit signed is an affidavit signed. It's one person's claim. It's, there's no, there will be no trial. There will be no any other follow-up beyond this. It's disgusting. There's nothing we can do about it. And yeah, that's and, the and, reality of the situation. And frankly, this is, it's the sort of thing that any court uh, has. I mean, this, is, this has been kicked out of court before. So this is, at this point, it's a he said, she said thing. And it is uh, essentially her lawyer pushing this and, you know, and the very dramatic fact that she took her own life pushing this as you know, an, an emotional story. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, innocent until proven guilty. And at this point, there's no way to prove WWE guilty, at least in this matter. So unless something comes along that's going to stick to them, unfortunately, this is something that a lot of people are going to move past. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is what it is. I hate to say it, but at least at this point, there's a lot of people who are banding together to create an education fund for Ashley's daughter. Uh, we'll post that in the discussion group as well. So if you'd like to donate to that, you can. But there's a lot of people who come forward, including uh, Maria Kanellis, who, uh, who, by the way, Maria and a lot of other uh, wrestlers have come forward to say that they know of nothing like that on that trip. And Maria has even said, you know, she was there. And she's like, if that had happened, I would have known. So there, there, there is a lot of complexity to the story. Um, I, am, I have to say, on one level, I'm relieved that there is not more concrete evidence that this did happen, but the fact that it's even a possibility is deeply disturbing to me. me and it's, it's something that really makes me sit back and look, much like you know, going back to Saudi Arabia. It's something that makes me look at WWE in a, in a different and definitely less uh, pleasant light. Um, that being said, Nick, let's move on to something a little bit happier before we get to the meat of our show, and that is that there's a new show coming out in August. On August 12th, after Raw, Straight Up Steve Austin will debut. What is, it, the, what is Straight Up Steve have Austin? You, have you not heard about this? Well, it is a new interview show with Steve Austin. And he's basically going to just be hanging out. It's no, there's no desk. There's no couch. Uh, they're just going to be... He's going to be hanging out, whether he's in a car or just in a, in a restaurant. Hang, they're going to be going on adventures, custom-tailored, quote, custom-tailored, to the people he's interviewing. So far, we know he'll be interviewing Trace Adkins, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Gabriel Iglesias, Baker Mayfield, Rob Riggle, Sal Vulcano of uh, Impractical Jokers, and Becky Lynch. So it's basically going to be Austin hanging out with people and interviewing them. And I don't know about you, Nick. That sounds freaking amazing. That sounds awesome. It sounds like uh, Jerry Seinfeld's uh, comedians riding in cars getting coffee kind of format. Yeah, right? Like uh, wrestlers on a Wednesday uh, winging it about, I don't know. I don't know where, I'm, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but I still like the idea of, uh, of Austin talking to people and, and just, and I, like, it sounds like he's going all across all different formats of people too. So, so this is not exclusive to the network. This looks like it's got, got picked up by USA. It's actually going to be on cable TV. That is correct. It is a cable TV show. Interesting. So, very cool. Very cool. Looking forward to that. But that being said, Nick, as I said, we have a ton of show to get to and not a lot of time. So let us bust on over to Monday Night Raw. Last was announced after Money in the Bank. Mick Foley appears on Raw to unveil 
a new title, a new <laughs> championship on Monday Night Raw. And I, I Ian, I want to let you do the unveil here because I have mostly a cynical kind of reaction to this, but there's one shining light to it. But why don't you walk people through like what it is and what it means? It's actually funny because there was a very mixed reaction to this championship, uh, and we're going a day later than we normally do this week. We're we're uh, we, we're going on a Friday today, Nick. Usually we do a Thursday show, so there's been more time to see the reactions and the fallout from this. The new title that Mick Foley unveiled, and we speculated on this when they announced it last Sunday because of, of just who Mick is and what his history is, his hardcore history, we expected that he was going to unveil a new hardcore championship, which the last time we saw it back in the 90s was a 24-7 championship. It was defended 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it actually moved from being kind of a, mm, I want to say like a mockery of ECW-style matches to more of just about the shenanigans that happened when you had a title being defended 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And since then, there have been other companies that have run their own 24-7 championships. Most most notably, like Chikara and DDT have done some absolutely amazingly funny, entertaining things with a 24-7 championship. Well, that's what we got. We didn't get another hardcore championship. Mick Foley, after talking about how what it means to be a champion and having to defend that title, having to be a champion 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he pulled out of his little bag the single ugliest title belt I've ever seen in my life, Nick. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was sewage green with side plates that looked like they were they were just cut from cardboard and the main front plate looked like the like something you'd feed into a video game at Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Uh, it looks like a coin. Absolutely hideous belt with the with a big 24-7 written on the front. Uh probably, I mean, I, I would love for someone to try and show me a worst designed belt than this. I would love to <laughs> I'm serious. I would love to think that this was intentionally supposed to be a bad belt, but the hardcore championship belt was intentionally supposed to be an ugly looking belt, all broken up and torn up, duct tape on it, and it looked awesome. This looks just unbelievably bad. It the looks thing, like a skee ball token. You're right. Yeah, something you feed into a machine at Chuck E. Cheese. Horrible. And this was here's the thing though. So Mick laid the Mick pulls this out and goes, and here's the 24 7 championship. And the entire audience goes, uh, yeah. very negative initial reaction from the audience. Uh, he just he barrels along, he just pushes through and says, I'm gonna lay this title down right in the ring right now. Whoever gets it, you're the champ, and then it's gonna be defended 24 hours a day, seven days a week going forward. Goes down there, rings the bell, and basically everyone in the mid card and below comes running out to the ring, starts fighting over this belt. Uh, and at the end, Titus O'Neil ends up coming up with it. Titus O'Neil is your first 24 7 champion, but he doesn't even make it to the back. He gets to the top of the ramp, turns his back, and Robert Roode runs out, hits him from behind, pins him. One, two, three. Robert Roode is the new. 24-7 champion. He runs off in the back, chased by everyone and their mother, including Drake Maverick. Uh, and the rest, throughout the rest of the show, we see uh, Robert Roode, you know, running all over the place, being chased by a whole gaggle of mid-carters. Uh, eventually, by the end of the show, Roode has made his way to the parking lot where R-Truth hides him in his trunk and, and uh, tells everyone to go the other way. And when Bobby gets out, 
He tries to put him in the car. There's a ref in the front seat. The ref gets out, and Robert goes, the heck is this? R-Truth nails him from behind, pins him one, two, three, drives off in the car. R-Truth, by the end of the show, is your new 24-7 champion. So right off the bat, we had a pretty good display of the kind of stuff that we saw back with the hardcore championship in the 24-7 rule. Right off the bat, we're seeing that with the 24-7 championship. So, Nick, just with Raw, just looking at Raw and what they did here, what do you think about this title? What do you think the pr- the pros and cons are? Because there's been a mixed reaction all week to this. Yeah, I love it. And I've been pretty vocal about the, the hardcore title maybe being my favorite title of all time and just that run of it with the Hollies uh, in the late 90s. I, I think the 24-7 title itself is kind of a stupid name. Uh, I don't know why they didn't just name it the hardcore title, but they probably don't want to put a lot of the the barbed wire and the trash can of implements kind of uh, context yeah. around it. So I understand. Well, that I, I'm going to jump in real quick because I think that's an interesting point you just made. Mick Foley even said the word hardcore, and he said that raw we're going to make raw more raw. So they're, they're not afraid of that terminology. But I think you're right where they're just trying to focus on the 24-7 aspect and not the fact that guys can use any implement they want and that it's like a, a no-holds-barred, uh, no-DQ title. I think they're yeah, not let, trying to focus on that. Let's reset a little bit because the hardcore title itself originally was a hardcore title. There were never any rules. Anything goes. It's a different kind of championship. It's like a division yeah. uh, of ECW inside of WWF or WWE. Right? And the 24-7 rule itself came in along right. with Crash Holly making the proclamation that I'll defend this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Which was brilliant. And the thing is, it's what's funny, my my memory of the Hardcore Championship, I don't know if yours is different, every time I think of the Hardcore Championship, I just think of Raven coming down to the ring with a shopping cart full of like stop signs and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? In that time, Dean Ambrose came out, you know, in more modern times, dragging a trash can or, you know, the hot dog stand or any of that. Just, I want, so you asked me pros and cons. First of all, I think the pros of this are awesome. It adds a different dynamic to a mostly stale, predictable template of uh, what we have in the modern era of, of wrestling. Uh, I think it adds that dynamic, that you never know kind of dynamic, what you're going uh, to get back to the card. So that part I'm very excited about. I like the idea that it can anything can happen at any time, anywhere. Um, I really wish it was more of a hardcore thing. I hate the belt. I hate the way it looks. Sorry, Vince, it's not a belt. It's a title. It's a championship. I get it. But you just like, it looks like this was a, a high school shop project. Like somebody that was learning how to use a CNC machine put this thing together. Yeah, the, little to no design effort has been put into this at all. The scuttlebutt was that USA Network has been trying to work with them to raise ratings and has been throwing a bunch of ideas at them on how to raise ratings. And all the ideas were terrible, except for this one, which they finally convinced Vince to do. But it was so last minute that that belt was just literally thrown together. And it yeah. it shows. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, it's, it's funny because the... Uh, the thing that you brought up with with the hardcore championship, I, they can't do hardcore. And this was this was brought up uh, during the our our uh, when they announced it during Money in the Bank in our discussion group. They they you know uh, some of the some of our listeners brought up the fact you can't do hardcore in modern WWE. You really can't do it at all, and they wouldn't do it justice if it was quote a hardcore championship. So the idea that it's a twenty four seven championship, as much as that's kind of a dumb name, it has been growing on me. Throughout the week, calling it the twenty four seven championship, the twenty four seven belt, um, 
I'm not. I've I've gotten to the point where I'm not mad at it. And as we get through uh, some more talking about WWE this week, we're going to get into more stuff that happened. And I, I would like to discuss how I think this is actually probably the most modern championship they have. But yeah. I really think this has the potential of being one of the most exciting things on their show on a week to week basis. They've got a ton of ability to have skits and segments out of this and have a lot of watchable stuff. Um, but. Where they will go wrong if they is, and I think we've had this in the discussion group as well, I agree that where they go wrong with this is legitimizing it and making it, taking it seriously. I want it to be silly stuff. I want yeah. it to be uh, R-Truth hiding a ref in a, in a limo and driving out somebody out to the middle of nowhere and, and pinning them for the title. I want to see Ramblin' Rabbit pin Mercy. I want to see uh, just stupid stuff. Right, the Make stuff, it kinda- silly. The kind of stuff like we had in, uh, uh, like you had, I forget it was, D, I think it was DDT, where like the guy who was the, uh, who held the belt fell asleep with a pencil on his chest and the ref just showed up and counted him out and the pencil was the champion. Like yes, that kind exactly. Of, that kind of just abs, go absolutely bonkers with it. Go nuts with it. And frankly, uh, honestly, and, and I was going to say this for later, but our truth was remain, he retained it through SmackDown and uh, he and uh, Drake Maverick have been having probably the most entertaining Twitter feud I've seen. I, even more entertaining than, than Becky's stuff. Like it has been absolutely riveting what's been going on with them on Twitter. This is a very this can be a very modern belt. When we had the 24-7 hardcore championship, it we didn't have social media. We didn't have all the stuff we have today. This is built for the social media age. That they're going to be able to expand outside of the typical WWE platform with this belt. So there's a lot they can really do with it. If they get creative, and frankly, given the fact that it's not going to be seen as as legitimate of a belt, they're going to be able to really go wild with it. That's where the Wild West is in WWE, you know, that is where people are just allowed to have a little bit more freedom and creativity, and we're already yeah. seeing that. Within a week, we're seeing that people are being really creative with this belt. Our truth apparently hasn't slept in 73 hours. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. He's, so he, one last, he one keeps last calling question it the European for you here. champion, too. Anyway, yes. Oh, yeah. He keeps calling it. That's my favorite part. He keeps referring <laughs> to it as the European championship. championship. <laughs> Maybe one of the most illegitimate, stupid belts ever made. Oh, he, he's proud brilliant. that he has the European. I, it's, it's brilliant. It's so, so good. Yeah. My, my question here for you, does this transcend gender? Do we see a Nia Jax or even a Carmella you know, screw over R-Truth to get this off of him? And then is, does it become intergender? And do we see a lot of that kind of what we got out of the Mixed Match Challenge? It um, should. It should be just because I think there's a way that you can do it without having it appear violent against women. Like if, if, a, if a guy pins a woman or something for right. the belt, like there are ways around making it seem like it's overtly violent. You don't have to, you know, clock her with a kendo stick in the head to take the belt. You can find creative ways to get it off of the women without having it appear violent. So yes, I absolutely think that women should be involved with this belt. I think that that's adds a whole other half of the roster. And by the way, the other thing they made clear, it's not just the main roster. It's the main, it's raw SmackDown NXT, NXT UK 205. It's everybody. Yeah, it's, Everybody, like we could see some like evolve people coming and pick this up. Who knows? Progress. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, they they even said that you know you might have some some old legends come in and pick it up. This I am the more the time has passed, the more excited I am for this belt. And I love the fact that Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez worked themselves on their show, and they're like they had the title change hands within the first show. That completely illegitimizes the title. That's the point. 
It's not a legitimate <laughs> title. It's supposed to be entertainment. This is just a pure entertainment title. It's it's the definition of WWE entertainment title. Don't take it seriously. Have fun with it. And we're going to get some entertaining TV out of it. So I'm very yeah. hopeful. Yeah, and I, I the last thing I'll say about it is if that's where they go wrong the minute we start to take it seriously or anybody tries to make us take it seriously as a legitimate title. I agree. And, and uh, but that being said, you know what people did take seriously on this show is Brock Lesnar. The new Mr. Money in the Bank. The Beast in the Bank. The, sorry, the Beast in the Thank God they got it right cuz online they were calling it the Bank and the Beast and I was just like, what are you guys doing? Uh yes, the Beast in the Bank. It came out with Paul Heyman at the top of the show. He was using the bo- the uh, the case as a beatbox, which I thought was extremely entertaining. Or boombox, excuse me. I thought that was extremely entertaining. This so I we we were very critical about Brock winning the Money in the Bank. We didn't think it was uh, necessary or appropriate. I got to say, Nick, the way that they ran this opening segment with Heyman coming out and talking about how Lesnar could go for either Kofi or Seth. How you know he's now you know back in charge of his debt in charge of his destiny, and um, everyone should be on the lookout. And then having Seth and Kofi come out and get in his face and saying, "Cash in right now, then, dude, bring it on!" And Brock, Brock and Paul basically be like, "No, we're gonna do it when we feel like it." I like this. Is that exciting to you as well? It is, uh, but not coming out and bragging about it like they did. So, uh, so first of all, I want to establish it's fine to come out this one time and brag about it, but I want, in this context, I want Brock to be the absentee. I don't want to see him and Heyman coming out with the case every week and pontificating about how they could cash in every single week. There was something that happened on SmackDown that we'll talk about later that I thought was a perfect moment that they could have done exactly that, and they didn't. And we'll talk about that when we get well, there. Well, but to be clear, they did that. I think that they did They did two moments where they kind of evoked the fact that, that both Kofi and Seth should be paranoid. And they did one on Raw and one on SmackDown. I thought they played it all perfectly, where you had Kofi and Seth both get in Brock's face. By the way, Kofi Kingston, please remember, was absolutely annihilated by Brock in the Beast in the East special. So him getting in Brock's face was really cool to see as a champion. It made it definitely Kofi's been so legitimized by this championship. It's a, they're doing a great job with him. Yeah, I love the, both of them coming out to confront Heyman and, yeah. and Brock in the ring like that, just with no hesitation. Both of them interrupting and both of them coming out and saying, "All right, then let's go right now. Cash it in, dude." Yeah, and, and that I was love fantastic. The, that's what I'm saying is I like the fact that that there's now this element of paranoia with them. The question is, you know, you're saying like, I, I, you want Brock to be an absentee money in the bank holder. I'm like, it's Brock Lesnar. Of course, he's going to be an absentee money in the bank holder. You'll probably have Heyman come out every once in a while, or you have his music hit, but you're not going to see a lot of Brock. And there's people are speculating: will will Brock be a long time money in the bank briefcase holder, or is he cashing in by the end of the summer? I think the end of the summer, like he's this is not he's not going to be holding this briefcase long. No, I well that I might disagree with you on, um, because I I, well, I wanted to <laughs> I don't want to see Brock for a month. I, I want to see him just out of a uh, hashtag out of nowhere. I just want to hear his music that kick one time yeah. uh, in the right place, maybe once every couple three weeks. Uh, but but just don't make it a running trope. Don't yeah. make it a gag. Don't overdo it, and the effect on it. W- will be really good. Brock being the champion and having the title and being absentee was horrible. It was a miserable existence for almost two years. 
him having money in the bank and being an absentee where he could pop up out of nowhere and cash in, that's enticing. It is more enticing. I still think other people should have gotten it out of money in the bank, but if it's going to be Brock Lesnar who's holding it, this is actually going to be fairly entertaining. Yep, I agree. Agreed. The only sad thing was is that instead of uh, Seth and Kofi having anything to do with Brock, they instead got put into a tag match with Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley. <laughs> and the crowd, as soon as that was announced, the crowd all kind of went, uh, which I don't, I don't know how they, they're not seeing that this is the sort of, like the way that they're using Lashley and Corbin as kind of the repeat goons. Like they're, they're killing the two of them and Drew McIntyre at the same time. They're all just kind of becoming, you know, the thugs of the week. And it's 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 going to pay decreasing dividends as the weeks go on. The only exciting thing about it was, as we said, at the end of it, Brock coming out, his music running and scaring the crap out of Seth and Kofi, right? Yeah. So, Doing a lap around the ring and walking back out. Yeah, basically scaring the crap out of them. They're, they're yeah. just beat up from this match, and all of a sudden, here comes Brock. So that that aspect's fine, but the problem is the match before it nearly killed the crowd. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Drew McIntyre. He is still involved as well, but it's over now in the Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon feud. Shane's saying he's done with Miz, and he's going to go on and uh, deal with Roman now. Of course, they're building up to this match they have. Uh, Shane and Roman has been announced for uh, a match at Super Showdown. Great. So, yeah, that's... uh, Now, here's the thing. We did see that uh, Miz still has something to do with Shane. Miz ended up having a, uh, a match with Drew McIntyre, who now apparently is one of Shane's other goons. Shane's got two goons, Elias and Drew McIntyre. I just had a crazy thought. What if Brock Lesnar cashes in for the 24-7 championship? Well, for one thing, <laughs> that I would, would keep it amazing. I would be wildly entertained by that. You and I both know that they will never do that, unfortunately. Right. Uh, but that would definitely it would it would both legitimize the title and delegitimize Brock Lesnar immediately if that happened. But um, so here's the thing. Uh, Shane McMahon, now basically in full authority figure mode, including Goon Squad. Uh, does Do you like the fact that he's now pivoting to go for Roman Reigns? Is this a good feud for Roman? Uh, you know, Do you like the fact that Miz is still kind of circling Shane here? I know you're sick of their feud. So do you I like think- the fact that the only thing I like about it is that Drew's coming along. Drew's getting rescued from Lashley and Corbin. And he's coming along to get into the top of the card with Roman. You don't feel, but this isn't even the top of the card. It's absolutely in the middle of the card. Uh, it's at the t- it's Roman's in the top I, of the card on SmackDown, that, but well, of course not because of the way they present Roman. But the problem is, is that I think that Drew is just being he's just another uh, goon again. He's not his own sure, man. Sure, he's working. But I for think Shane. this ends up with Drew and Roman in a match, and that I'm excited about. That I think is where we probably should have gotten to. Um, if not at Mania, you know, that's, I, I think say, that's where this needs to go. We just saw Drew versus Roman at WrestleMania, and Drew got soundly defeated. I, I, I do we need it again? I mean, is, isn't this kind of just rehashing that with with more of an authority angle? I mean, it could be Shane or Lashley. It is Shane. We're getting Shane right now. I mean, we're getting, Shane, we're getting for Super Showdown, sure. Oh, but I, I, I think yeah, sh- Super Showdown, sure. Beyond that. Like, I'm looking ahead already. Like, I'm trying to figure out how they get that belt on Roman at, off of Kofi through Brock and on Roman at SummerSlam. I mean... That's what I'm looking at right now. Brock cashes in on Kofi. Roman beats Brock at SummerSlam. I don't know. Again, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I, um, This is all fine. Whatever. It's, it's all just storytelling, I guess. I'm doing air quotes. 
they're trying to i think they're pivoting this quickly to get to super showdown and then after we're done with that here in a week it's back to business as usual you're much more forgiving than i am i just i couldn't stand the fact that roman once again was mr wild card i'm looking forward to the week where roman is not the wild card on monday night and they don't try to have him on both shows so uh we did also have a moment of bliss on this show uh, this was actually, all in all, a very entertaining segment. You had uh, Alexa Bliss interviewing Becky Lynch about losing a title. Of course, it was all interrupted. Um, and uh, you had the Iconics come out and make fun of Becky. You had Lacey Evans come out and make fun of Becky. Nikki Cross the entire time was standing around being kind of like single white female creepy on Alexa Bliss. This ended up with Becky going, you know what? I'm going to kick all three of your butts, Iconics and uh, Lacey Evans. And they said, what, there's just one of you and three of us? She says, well, I, yeah, you're right. I'll still do it. Nikki Cross goes, I'll fight with you. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Well, where's your third person? She goes, how about Alexa? And Alexa's like, I ain't fighting. No, she goes, said, oh, you'll do. Get in the ring. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and she's like, no, you don't have to fight, Alexa. You just stand by the ring. Alexa goes, okay, grabs her cup of coffee and walks down by the side of the ring. And, and it was Becky, essentially Becky and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics and Lacey Evans. Which I was, and, and Alexa just sipping her coffee by the side of the ring. I was very entertained by all that. Yeah. The downside was Becky and Nikki soundly beat the Iconics and Lacey Evans. So I don't know if, once again, we have the Iconics, which is your women's tag team, being defeated on TV. They're, they're winning on main event, but they're, not, they're losing on the main roster shows. Is that, is that a bad idea here? Is this, or, or were you entertained by this and you didn't, you didn't mind it? I was, yeah, the latter. I was mostly entertained by it. Didn't mind it. Wins and losses don't really count in WWE as we've established at this point. So I, I like the fact that they're still the champs. I like them being those squirrely champs that still remain champions, but get away with it. Uh, even though they can't really win a, a match. So I, I, I like where this is going. Would I like them to be the most dominant wrestling force ever and be the women's tag champions to go to? They're not going to be that. They were never set up to be that. They yeah. were squirrely and got in uh, at Mania and got that last second, just like we thought they would be. So yeah. uh, I, I like that that motif is continuing. Um, let's they, they can't really just get over at all on, uh, in a win, and they they're somehow are still the champs. There's kind of a story that you can build there, and I, don't think we, I just don't think we've seen that yet. The, the focus right now, I think, is staying on Becky and Lacey Evans. I think we're getting 2.0 version of that. Yeah, I think that's going to continue, especially with Becky now being solely on Raw. Yeah. Um, I, I, the only other thing I'm curious about this, I, you're right. I think that the, for a storyline purpose that Becky and, and Nikki should have won here just to establish that, you know, that Nikki is now firmly a face, but she's kind of a stalker of Alexa. That's really what I'm intrigued by. Where's that going? I like the fact that Nikki is now more kind of, she's calm. She's, she only becomes a psycho in the ring, but she's kind of like, has got that quiet, like stalker calm yeah. thing going. So I'm very curious because Alexa, we're not really sure if she's a heel or a face. She's more on the heelish side. So if if Nikki goes stalker on her, who's the face? I don't right. know. But I'm curious to see where they go with it, for sure. They've got my attention. Yeah. Um, one thing that they're losing my attention with, Nick, is your boy Lars Sullivan. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, I hate to say it, but you know, even despite his, uh, his issues, his online issues, his booking is not helping him either. Uh, Lucha House Party decided this week to fight back against him, and they all attacked Lars when he was in the ring about to get interviewed. He didn't get to say anything, though, because they all came out, attacked him, and kind of shoot him away, but uh, he, stayed, he stayed looking strong at the end, and that was kind of the segment. What, first of all, 
why are they not allowing Lars to speak at this point? Or is that kind of a winking uh, acknowledgement of his online issues? And then where are they going with this? Is it going to continue with Lucha House Party? Or at some point, are they going to put Lars in an actual feud? I I think it's an assumption you're making that that's directly related to his online issues. I, I don't know if that's the reason. My personal take on this is that they missed the window. The window for him, so they started announcing at the end of last year that the, these superstars were going to come up. They did all those video, Heavy Machinery and Lacey Evans and Lars Sullivan and, and was it Nikki was the fourth one? I think. I don't know. Yeah, Nikki um, was the fourth, I believe. Yeah. So I think they missed their window by not introducing him as a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble match. And it was to do with his anxiety or his whatever he was off doing. Um, mental health issues. I'll, I'll be fair there. But... I don't know that he's got anything to do or that they've established his character at this point other than this. And to be fair, this is all Braun Strowman did when he first separated from the Wyatt family. And they had him doing it for six months at least. And he ended up flipping stuff over that led to that match with Roman within the ambulance, ramming it into the truck. So I don't know. I haven't ruled yeah, it got, out completely. He got over with this. He got over with this kind of thing. But the problem is, is that Lars is not getting the same kind of treatment, or Lars is just a different animal altogether. Maybe, maybe. I, I just, I, I'm not ruling it out yet. I'm not completely over it yet. I'm, I'm winding down on it. But I just don't know if he's missed his window with something like um, either some kind of. Andre the Giant Battle Royale, something along that lines that really personifies his size and his abilities. Otherwise, we're stuck with this for another six months till we get back to the Royal Rumble. Agreed. They have to do something unique with him, and right now there's nothing unique about him, and people are getting sick of it. Uh, Speaking of Braun Strowman, though, he had a match with Sami Zayn again. This time, uh, Sami Zayn took off through the crowd, tried to run away. Uh, That did not work so well. Uh, The only real thing that came out of that was... Bobby Lashley, which, who is facing Strowman at Super Showdown, uh, they had a little stare down in the back, and Strowman said, I'll deal with you later. Got back in the ring, murdered Sami Zayn. That was pretty much, that was pretty much it. Was, uh, yep. Strowman, Strowman just killed Zayn. Um, do you think this is a return to like that kind of, we were worried that Zayn was going to get booked like Kalisto here, where he just gets murdered over and over again until he's useless? Or, no, or I think are you they're going to figure out him? how to do some kind of stipulation where Zayn can, can, can beat Strowman. They're going to figure out how to he to get him a sneaky win somewhere along the lines here. Dear God, I think that's going to be horrible for Strowman. He's already I agree. He, he already he already feels so neutered. I mean, maybe that's just me, but he feels like so much less than what he once was. Yep. No, I agree. A year ago, he, I th- I thought he was on his way to the top of the top of the card for sure. He was. He was. It wasn't yeah. just feeling like they were they were doing a good job with him, and then just between the 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 flip flop heel turn and. You know, just some other booking issues. Yeah, he's just falling off big time. Yep. Uh, another, speaking of falling off big time, Baron Corbin. Uh, so we had an AJ Styles talking about losing to Seth Rollins backstage. Baron Corbin comes up to laugh at him and say that uh, Styles getting the, the title shot instead of him was a slap in the face. Styles said, no, 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 this is a slap in the face and slapped Baron Corbin in the face. Do you think a Corbin-Styles feud will be fun? I don't know if fun's the word I would use, but I wouldn't exactly shit on it right away. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think those two could put on a really good match. And I think I'm, we're treading on dangerous water of AJ Styles turning heel territory if we don't put him in with another heel pretty quickly. Agreed. I think this is, this is definitely damage control for having him be the nominal heel in the uh, Seth Rollins feud where he was kind of yep. the more of the cocky bad guy. And this yep. is rehab. Put him with Corbin. Nobody is a heel against Corbin. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think even Styles said in his interviews, like, no one likes Corbin. Like, no one. Like, not even his mother. Like, not a single person likes Corbin. I don't know. I've been watching him play Division Two on his live stream uh, channel recently over on Mixer, and he, I kind of like the guy all of a sudden. So he's he's a really likable guy. He's personable. Uh, anyway, outside of all the kayfabe of, of WWE, <laughs> I, I I have grown to kind of appreciate from the Constable Corbin character to how we've gotten. It's just gotten kind of stale without the dynamic of general manager being involved in it. So I, I I don't know. He needs to evolve again a little bit, but I there's definitely he needs to be put with a, a really white meat baby face so that it just accentuates both of their their characters. And I actually like him being paired with Styles. So let's yep. see how let's play this out. It Agreed. could be good. Agreed. I think I think this is a good look for him. It could be it could be good. Uh, speaking of a good pairing, Cesaro versus Ricochet. Damn you, Hulu edition, for cutting this oh, out. Oh, man. It's okay. It's on YouTube. You can go watch it. Uh, this was a great, as you can understand, a great match. Ricochet still selling his injuries from Sunday, which is why Cesaro was able to beat him. Uh, from online stuff that I'm seeing, it looks like their feud will continue, which I ain't mad at. Hopefully, they'll get a, a chance to uh, have uh, be on the Hulu edition for you, Nick, at the, one of their next matches. But uh, right. this is good stuff. I like the fact that Ricochet got to lose but still, you know, they've been they've been having Ricochet lose, but they've been giving him like explanations for why he loses. So it's good for Cesaro to get a win. Um, yeah, I like this booking all around, and just give us more of it. Give yes. us more Cesaro Ricochet. Ugh. Um, also, give us more revival Usos. They had a match, and it was absolutely a step in the right direction. It was an actual match, and it was a great match. Revival wins with the dirty roll up pin with the grab in the tights. Uh, so they actually got a win. There was no farting and no back shaving and no stupid stuff. It was a straight up match, and it was great. More those of that, two could please. be as good or exceed. <laughs> See what I did there? The feud between Usos and New Day. Honestly, if they take their leashes off and let them go, agreed. Let them let, let them fight. Let them fight. I'm so excited right. for Godzilla. Right. Ian, Ian Watanabe over there. <laughs> You're damn right. Uh, finally, we had another Firefly Funhouse. This week, uh, it was basically just shots of kids playing, and it's slowly getting creepier, and then showing the new Bray Wyatt mask and him you know, saying, let me in. Uh, speculation is that the reason they did this as opposed to having another fully produced episode was that Bray Wyatt had his kid this week, so he was unavailable to actually do anything with it, so they're just buying time by having a, uh, a filler episode of the Firefly Funhouse. Looking forward to this all continuing. We're all curious where this goes from here. Correction, JoJo had the kid, not Bray. Well said, sir. Well said, indeed. JoJo had the kid. Bray was just there. JoJo barely survived, by the way. We'll get into that. We have a news segment at the end of the show. We'll talk about that. But yes, JoJo, <laughs> thank goodness she's okay. Uh, and the son, the, the kid was born healthily. But yes, congratulations to both Bray and JoJo. We'll get into that later, because right now, Nick... We got to go talk about SmackDown Live. Well, Kofi Kingston, man, I, I got to say, uh, you mentioned earlier that he, this whole thing with him confronting Brock on Raw when, when they came out to, uh, to interrupt him and Heyman uh, really legitimized him and this, this reign that he's having. I got to say, dude, he's got it coming all over the place from all kinds of different angles. And this week was no different. Uh, as we saw Heyman come out with the contract and tease him only to be completely blindsided. Funny enough, we interviewed his brother yesterday by Dolph Ziggler. Yep, Dolph Ziggler is back. But that you know, the, the thing is, is uh, that is not 
the only thing that happened. Uh, okay. that's, that's the end of it. The build up to that is part of what made it incredible. This okay. the whole so the, the whole arc through SmackDown was amazing. Starting off with uh, with Kofi and Xavier coming out doing the New Day entrance to reintroduce Big E to welcome him back from injury, and uh, they had fun with it. They brought out a, a guy who was in a dark robe and it wasn't Big E. And then they're like, "Who are you? Who the heck are you? Why are your knees ashy? Get out of here! Why are your knees so ashy?" <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was funny. Um, but then, uh, so they get in the ring and they do the they do the big party. Like they bring back out the real Big E and they have a big party in the ring with with presents. And typical New Day gimmick, like where they're kind of where they're you know kind of tweaking kayfabe, almost being non PG. It was a lot of fun. And then out came Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to interrupt it. And they had a lot of fun poking fun at Sammy and Kevin trying to cut promos. Kevin didn't cut a promo. He just looked pissed. But Sammy's uh, cutting a promo on him, and they made fun of him. It was all very much fun until Kofi just stops and goes, hey, I just want you to know I'm playing, but I can whoop your ass if I want to. They made it very clear that New Day Kofi and Champion Kofi were both one and the same and two very different people. You don't basically don't get on. Yeah. They defined it for us. They were able to show that Kofi can have fun, but then when he turns it on, he can go. And they didn't have to have him have any action in this segment. They did have him have a match with Sami Zayn later in the evening. That was the one that got interrupted by both Paul Heyman and Dolph Ziggler. Right. Um, but you know, you, the, the fact that in the in the mid uh, in between that, you had Big E get attacked backstage. Kofi gets all pissed to come out for the match with Sami. You had it really clearly delineated. That the New Day is still the New Day, and Kofi the champ is still Kofi the champ. This is the thing we were worried about right after WrestleMania is how do they, how do they make Kofi feel like a champion while still, you know, uh, making Instead it of make just sense. being the third member of the New Day. Exactly. And this is where we really saw that happen. We saw it yeah. completely laid out for us. I loved this. I loved yeah. everything they did here. No, this was a this was one of the better SmackDowns I can remember seeing in a long time, and, and I love the attention they're making sure to give Kofi the TV time that the WWE champion deserves, the same way they've done for AJ Styles uh, and and others in the past, and you know the, Daniel Bryan, for example. So Kofi as the champion is getting the lion's share of TV time now, and I, I'm glad that they're doing that because it's necessary just to establish. And yeah. The New Day coming out as a unit used to be the thing, but now it seems to be Kofi Kingston and the New Day uh, sharing time or coming out separately, or etc. Having the backstage moments and things like that. I I like this. I like this a lot. Uh, it is the some. It is something that we were skeptically optimistic about, uh, and it looks like they're pulling it off. Hashtag skeptically uh, I, optimistic. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. That being said, that match with Sami Zayn was in the middle of the show, which means that Dolph was able to come out later in the show and explain his actions. Great. And uh, well, this was an interesting promo. It's kind of sounded like a lot of Dolph promos that we've heard uh, lately. He does kind of have a cadence, but this one was all about how it should have been him. He was the one who should have gotten Kofi's opportunity, but he was sitting at home, and so now he's here to make it right and get the championship that should have been his. It should have been me. It should have been me. Uh, do you do you think that this is too much too soon for Dolph? Like, is is it? Did he need more of an introduction than this? Because the crowd was definitely middling on this. Yeah, he should not have come out and done the explanation on the same night. Mm. That's that's pretty much what I'll say about it. Like, attack Kofi, that's fine. Beat him down, 
uh, but then just disappear again. And maybe come back and do it again in another place at another time. But, I mean, explain yourself on a w- on video or on Twitter or something. Do it. Lead up to it. Have it throwing all of it at once in a crowd that was mostly dead anyway. You know, it just it didn't really get... And was he crying? He was crying a little bit. He was emotional. There's, there's no crying in wrestling. <laughs> there's a lot of crying. What? What are you talking? There's even no crying in wrestling. Have you? Met I remember Rick? the last time I saw somebody cry Have you met in wrestling. Rick Flair, Mark Henry, like come yeah, on. thirty years ago. What are you talking? What? Uh, Nick, that or, is. The, or, I'm that sorry. Is the when, most, he, when, when Shawn Michaels retired, him. That is the most cry. ridiculous statement you've ever made on the show, <laughs> and a long litany of ridiculous statements. There's no crying in wrestling. Terry Funk, get out! Get out of here! Get get out of here! Oh my goodness. Um. Yes, so uh, Dolph as the challenger in Jeddah. He is challenging for the title in Saudi Arabia. Uh, is this a good idea, or should it be, should it have been someone else? Should it should it be someone else? <laughs> I mean, maybe he's the only one they could get to go to Jeddah because Daniel Bryan and KO said they weren't going. Something Ooh. like that. Yeah, that's possible. That's quite possible. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> I was going to come. That, there's a lot of people that aren't going to Jeddah this year, right? Um, is but here's the thing: do 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 you like this because Dolph has a long history with Kofi? They fought for the U.S. title. They fought for the Intercontinental title. They've had a lot of feuds. I personally think this is a a feud they could actually make into something good. They've got a week. I think they could go somewhere good with this, given their long history. Sure, if, you know what I mean. Like get Listen, on, get these off. These two of, guys will put it. They would put on a killer match. Let's let's not. It, I, I hate that the match is in Jeddah. First of all, because yes. I would love to see this match on TV. Um, and it, maybe it'll continue. Maybe this is the feud that goes forward. I I I, you, I know I love Dolph Ziggler. He's one of the better uh, workers ever. But I I, I think he's going to be fantastic to have him and Kofi in a match. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the match. I don't know if this is the best way to introduce and present Dolph Ziggler. I think it's interesting because of the way they're presenting him feels like it might, I don't know. I think that he's going for something where he might've actually felt like left out. I don't know how much of this is honest and how much of this is just completely made up. Uh, I'd be curious to know because he made me question it. He made me question whether or not this was actually coming from a place of emotional honesty where he felt left out. Uh, Like, damn, I should have been there. I could have, I could have actually snuck into that slot if I'd have been around for it. Um, I, I'm wondering See, how much cocky Dolph Ziggler with AJ Lee and Big E at his side and just the show off. Yeah. Right. I don't want emo Dolph Ziggler in a hoodie. Well, I, you know, one thing I actually wrote this in my notes was that this feels like a character, like the late era version of that character where his narcissism has turned toxic because now he's suffering from these mental issues brought about by, uh, not being able to live up to his own expectations of himself. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, let's get back to something fun. The I'm 20- not giving Vince that much credit. I'm, no, I'm giving Dolph that credit for writing that character or, or you know, coming up with that idea. But anyway, uh, moving on to something more fun. The 24-7 title also had a bunch of shenanigans on the show. R-Truth was running around in a blonde wig pretending to be Carmella. Uh, Carmella finds him and goes, no, no, no. Let me show you how to be Carmella. Get, takes him back, dresses him up uh, as her. And then during her match with Mandy Rose, he gets chased through the ring and out of the building, and they take off. How much fun was all of this? Have they done? We were talking earlier about how great this is for the social media era and the fact that our truth has been consistently entertaining. Is this the kind of stuff that if we saw week to week, it's going to hold up? It's going to hold water. 
Like, is this yes. going to keep being this entertaining? Yes. <laughs> All right. Declarative, yes. Declarative. This is the kind of silliness and shenaniganry that needs to surround this title. Yeah. It needs to be disruptive. It needs to interrupt matches. It needs to be wild and crazy, and it needs to go all over the place. I don't care if you record these weeks in advance. Like, the thing with R-Truth driving Robert Roode in a trunk of a limo out to the middle of nowhere, knowing that he had a ref in the car, and there was malicious intent. Like, Bill, tell well, me stories like that. That's well, he so didn't much drive fun. him off. He just hit him in the trunk temporarily. But had he driven him off to a cornfield and then chased him through a cornfield while the ref, that, that would have been brilliant. I think it's still do that. But again, I, I think it's it's a really smart idea to put it on R-Truth at first because he is the kind of character that plays into the silliness of this belt. I think it's brilliant. Um, yep. And we're already seeing that. So, yeah. all I have to say, man, the more I think about it, the more I'm liking what they're doing already with the 24-7 championship. They just have to keep it up. It's, it's I made an awesome meme so out of it. All I could think of was the gremlin in a wig. Uh, <laughs> from when, Gremlins when I saw too? It. From the female yeah. gremlin? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I don't know. That that gremlin looks more like Maria Canellas to me. Yeah. Uh, in before Carmella pin turns on our truth and pins him for the twenty four seven championship. You heard oh it here God. first. Oh my God. I want that so bad. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That'd be amazing. <laughs> um, that being said, speaking of female champions, Bailey is the new SmackDown Live champion because she beat Becky, but she had to team up with Becky against the twin blonde towers of Charlotte and Lacey Evans. Oh, wait, Lacey's on SmackDown now. Wild, hashtag wildcard. Hashtag Great. wildcard. What a strange match to have. Like so This is going back to... Oh, before we talk about the match, I want to say something here. This is going back to a few weeks ago, a couple, three weeks ago, I said, I think the Wild... When, the, when they, Vince first came out and announced it, I think this is an excuse or a ways to an end, a means to an end to have all of the top of the card talent be on both shows and be, you know, and transcend their individual brands. Absolutely. That's that's what this is is manifesting itself to be. Yep. And here we, and and we're here we go. Seeing exactly. that actually between Kofi and Seth, uh, between uh, Lacey, Becky, and Charlotte, they're they're all just they're all on both shows. Nick, Nick, and, and Nick, I'm kind of okay with that. Nick, you forgot Roman Reigns. Oh yeah, that guy too. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. always been on both shows anyway, hadn't he? <laughs> He's gonna every show ever. Roman Reigns, Monday Night Roman, future two hundred five live champion. Uh, yeah, no. So this this match actually was, despite the fact that when I saw it was getting made, I was like, "What? Why? Why is this match? Why? Why is this match?" It's actually really entertaining. And the point of the match was to put Bailey over hard. She yeah. beat Charlotte Flair clean in the middle of the ring. Charlotte went for a, a small pa- or a figure four at the end of this match. Bailey got her small package and beat her clean. As a whistle, and then she and Beautiful. she and then she and Becky, uh, Becky was saying before this uh, when you know Bailey was cutting a strong promo. Becky was saying, "I'm coming for you. I'm coming for my belt. I'm on my belt back." And Bailey was going, "Bring it!" And after this match, the two of them were jawing at each other. Yeah, uh, you know, despite the fact that this match made no sense why it existed, of I course. liked all the dynamics that I saw here. I like the fact that Charlotte is putting over Bailey as being a strong champion, and I like the fact that Becky and Bailey are establishing that they're they've got beef too. Yeah. So lots of stuff to like here, I got to say. I'd like um, to see Bailey hold her own. I'd like to see Bailey have a, a feud that's not Becky or Charlotte. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see Bailey have a run yeah. where Charlotte's constantly not nipping at her heels and you never Charlotte might as well have a perpetual money in the bank contract. 
because you never know when she's going to take the title off of somebody. That's true, but uh, but at this point, they are doing a good job just in two days. In two shows, they're doing a good job of rehabbing Bailey, and people are starting to get back on her side. This crowd was definitely questioning if they should cheer Bailey at first, and by the end, they were cheering her. So, yeah, we're 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 coming along, Bailey. You're coming back, girl. Uh, finally... Well, not finally, but a couple other things. But uh, finally on the show, the last thing on the show was the main event, Roman Reigns versus oh, Elias. That. Yeah, what a shock. Roman versus Elias. Um, and this was interrupted at the end by Drew McIntyre, This which probably drives home your, uh, your idea that Drew McIntyre is going to be Roman's program over the summer, even yep. though we just saw this. That being said, I'm kind of glad that it's it's not Elias anymore. But this was all this is everybody. This is Elias and and Drew McIntyre and uh, and Seth all ganging up on Roman and Roman overcoming the odds and somehow pulling it off. So <laughs> as uh, always, yeah. like nothing's changed. I, We're I really, right back to 2016. Yeah, I really have nothing to say about that other than I'm so bored with Roman Reigns. Oh God! I didn't hate this match with Elias. I got to be honest. I, I'm a huge. I like Elias. I do too. It, it was it was fine. It, it was a it was a Roman match. You know, yeah. mostly getting beaten down by the big big bad man. Yep. And somehow landing a magical spear that would you know shift gravity and yeah. somehow be able, being able anyway. But uh, I'll it, t- moving on, Nick. I, I this match was it was fine. It was what it was. Uh, a good match though was Ali versus Andrade. Excuse me, oh. Mustafa Ali versus Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, How w- is Ali still alive? The the winner gets a full name match. Um, right. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for that line. That was actually Ali tweeted that uh, online. But um, yeah, this was this was a great match that was cut short, sadly. But uh, you know, I, I hope it's not a showcase match. I hope this is a, going forward going to be a feud. Yeah, me too. I absolutely would love to see these two guys in a long running program. Uh, just, I, I don't know how Ali is still alive right now after the last couple of weeks that he's had between getting fa- face palm power bombed or whatever it was through a, a table, uh, an announce table, to all of the shenaniganry of the ladder match. Just wow. Uh, well, what an absolute. God. Just how is that dude still walking and being able to have a match with someone like Andrade at this point. Andrade is, hasn't exactly not taken his share of bumps either. He was also involved in that Spanish fly off the ladder in, in the Money in the Bank match. So, yeah, I, I've, I'm i so glad these guys are on the same brand right now. <laughs> That's all I'm going to yes. say. Two guys, very bright future for the WWE. Uh, the, not a whole lot else happened on SmackDown. You had Samoa Joe threatening Rey Mysterio. That feud's going to keep going. We also had a nice long video package for Triple H versus Randy Orton, which is happening at Super Showdown, which gets a super big whoop-dee-doo from me. I enjoyed the video package more than I'm going to enjoy that match. Uh, I didn't even enjoy the video package that much. It was just kind of like a, yeah, yeah, eh, they have a long history. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that was a thing, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, what about that? But, uh, yeah, there's I a lot. I remember. Of, I remember that, remember? Uh, but... Overall, man, pretty good SmackDown Live, I got to say. Pretty good yeah. you know, pretty good shows across the board this week for Raw and SmackDown. I was consistently entertained. Uh, obviously, there's, some, there's the same problems we usually have, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that I think I, I'm liking going forward. Mainly, 24-7 title, a great idea, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. 
Well, guys, there you go. There's the main shows for this week, but we're not done. Sir Ian Vegas, Sir Ian Vegas, Sir Ian Dangerous is in Las Vegas for a reason, and that's because he's attending AEW's Double or Nothing pay per view. But to talk about that, we've got to head over to the wide world of wrestling. I like that. Sir Ian Vegas. I might have to keep that, Nick. I might have to use that, especially seeing as a JBC just showed up. JBC is with me now here in the room, uh, and she she came bearing gifts. She brought me a gigantic tequila sunrise, Woo! a Don Julio tequila sunrise. It is Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby, Vegas. We're doing this properly, and this is going to be a proper show. Is it frozen, and you can you suspend it from your neck? <laughs> No, it is not a yardstick uh, tequila center. Uh, JBC, what what kind, is this? A, what kind of what kind of tequila is in this? The damn good, damn good tequila is in this tequila sunrise. Woo. Fantastic! This is going to be the greatest show ever today. <laughs> <laughs> what you drinking a yard of tequila sunrise? Yeah, or the, the AEW's double or nothing. Well, both actually. If I start slurring by the time we get down to listener questions, you'll all know why. Uh, <laughs> AEW's Double or Nothing is tomorrow, Nick, which means we've got to do our pick tonight. We're going to run down the card, let you know uh, what matches are happening and which ones who's, we think is going to win what because it is kind of the Wild West right now. A lot of people, we don't even know how they're going to be presented in AEW. We haven't, we haven't seen them all be featured on uh, Nightmare Family or Being the Elite. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting show that really tells us what they're planning on going forward. Uh, Double or Nothing is going to be live on pay-per-view and Bleacher Report live for $49.95 here in the U.S. and on ITV in the U.K. I'm afraid I do not know what they'll be charging for it in the U.K. So I don't know what the, the rate is. Probably the going 50 pounds, rate, to be go- honest. I don't know what the going rate is right now with what with the uh, Brexit and everything. I know the pound fell fast, but I don't know where they're at right now. So... Yeah. Yeah, but uh, at any rate, it's happening. We do know that the winner of the Battle Royale... Actually, so there's going to be something called the buy-in, which is like a pre-show, and it's happening on YouTube, on the AEW YouTube page. Uh, the the casino, uh, casino Royale, the Casino Battle Royale is happening there, as well as another opening match, Sammy Guevara versus Kip Sabian. So that's going to be free for everyone to watch, and then if you want to buy the pay-per-view, it'll be forty nine ninety five. So... Uh, we do also know that the winner of the Battle Royale will face the winner of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega for the first AEW championship. So it's going to be uh, the, that's going to be the, the the champion will come from either Jericho and Omega or the Battle Royale. So personally, I think that kind of narrows that actually narrows their options a lot. But right. uh, still, let's get right into it. The Casino Battle Royale. Uh, with they've got some really interesting rules for this battle royale, Nick. They're they're doing it like a deck, like a like cards, where you have four suits. You've got uh, you know the, the uh, diamond, club, spade, and heart. And each of those suits is going to be five people, basically. Uh, you know all the all the face cards: Jack, Queen, King, Ace, um, and. That's good. They're going to come in at intervals, five minute. Or I've got to look at my notes again, but uh, I think two it's min- three minutes, three minute intervals. Thank you. Uh, and then finally, there's going to be a 21st entrant, the Joker. He's coming in last. So that's that's an interesting new way of looking at a battle royale. And uh, they definitely have a fun lineup for it. Brad, Brandon Cutler, Glacier. Remember WCW Glacier? He's back. Yeah. Uh, Sonny Kiss. You may know him from Lucha, Lucha Underground. Underground. Lucha Underground. Yep. He's awesome. Ace Romero. The Velveteen Dream of Lucha Underground. Yeah, pretty much. Only, only just like turned up to 11. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you can imagine that. 
Ace Romero, who, if you don't know who that is, I posted a, a, a quick clip of him in the discussion group. Uh, That's a big boy. The greatest pounce ever. And he's really agile, too, man. I've seen him do dives through the ropes um, and, like, flips and stuff. It's crazy. Sunny Days, who was featured on the uh, Nightmare Family uh, show at one point. I'm glad he's in this. Brian Pillman Jr., the greatest mullet currently working in wrestling. MJF, who they've been featuring a lot heavily. Joey Janela speaks for himself. Dustin Thomas. Billy Gunn. Uh, Jimmy Havoc. Oh, can't wait to see him. Michael Nakazawa should be a lot of fun. Jungle Boy, probably the youngest person on the roster. Luchasaurus, uh, which I, who I always love seeing just destroy people. <laughs> Isaiah Cassidy. Mark Quinn. Sean Spears, as we mentioned earlier, a.k.a. Ty Dillinger. And uh, just because Joey Janela is in this match, I have to speculate that at some point the Invisible Man might show up. Just oh. because they've been in a feud for years now, and I, I can only imagine that uh, the my, the Invisible Man might cost Joey Janela this match. It's just a, a, that would be so brilliant. A speculation. If they, if they brought that over, that would be so good. Totally speculation on my part, but I think that his Invisible Man matches are some of the most incredible performance art you've ever seen. So, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? So those are the people we know. That leaves about mm, four people that we don't know. Who do you think is taking the Casino Battle Royale? Oh, man. Uh, as much attention as he's been getting lately, my bet currently is on MJF. Yes, I think that's a very solid pick. He's definitely, uh, he's definitely a one to look out for. He's been getting a ton of love from that company. So If I had to pick a flyer, Jimmy Havoc. Damn it, that's my pick. I went mm. for the flyer. I went for the, the flyer and picked Jimmy Havoc. That being said, I think it might be one of the four that we don't know. I think they're holding back on us, and that one of those last four is going to be a big name, and that's going to be the one that goes for it. That's, yeah. that's my gut feeling, is that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick Jimmy Havoc just because I'm picking a name that I know. I don't think it's fair for me to go, someone I don't know is going to win. But uh, I, I personally think if I, you know, I really do think it's going to be one of the ones that we don't know. Who's no, gonna I think it's going to be, I think, so I, well, we're, we'll pick them later, and I'll come back to this one. So never mind. I'll, I'll say what I was going to say after we've picked the rest of the card. Sounds good. Uh, moving on, Sammy Guevara versus Kip Sabian, also on the buy-in pre-show. Who do you have with this one? I don't know. Sammy Guevara has been on a world tour. He's been around over in Pakistan doing some events, and I, I don't know. He might be tired. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards Kip Sabian here, to be honest with That's you. not a bad call. I think that they're going to push Kip as well, but they have been giving Sammy a lot of time on yeah. their programming, and I, I'm liking the fact they're making him kind of this like annoying character. So I'm going to pick Guevara, which is great, because now we're, we're automatically going to uh, disagree yes. on this show. So I'm liking that. Um, we've got the women's match, Asia Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida, Riho, and Ryu Miyazani. Excuse me, Mizunami. Uh, this is a great match because there's a lot of rivalry between all these women uh, back over in uh, Ice Ribbon and in Stardom, uh, especially between Asia Kong and Hikaru Shida. A lot of history there. So I think this is going to actually be a sleeper match on the show. The question is, does Asia Kong's team take it, or do you think that Shida's taking it with this one? So I know I have to be, you know, full disclosure, I don't know that much about these these six ladies uh, I actually did a coin flip in my head, and it came up heads, so I'm picking Asia Kong's team. I'm looking forward to seeing them all, frankly, for the first time in this match. Yeah, I, I, and I really do encourage people to check this match out because I think it will be an unsung banger. I'm going to go with Team Sheeta 
just because I think that uh, Kong is going to put her over for the future because Riho is, is super young, and I think Ryu's got a big history as well. So I think that uh, Sheeta's, Sheeta's team is going to take this uh, just to try and get them over with uh, with everyone. But it's, it's, I'm, cool. I'm excited to see Asia Kong work. She's a legend. So nice. very excited about that. Other women's match is the uh, the triple threat. Kylie Ray versus Nyla Rose versus Dr. Britt Baker. Who do you have in this one, sir? Dr. Britt Baker. I think that's a very solid pick. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm, I, if you've been watching Nightmare Family, uh, I, I don't know, man. I've, I think they're all, they've all been featured really well. I might be kind of a Brandy Rhodes on this and just pick them all and just tell them all they're going to win. But, yeah, uh, and I'm also wondering where Brandy is going to come into play in this because it is a triple threat match. Uh, I'm wondering, Brandy seems to be doing some uh, talking behind the other one's back shenaniganry. Politicking, uh, yes. Politicking. So I'm wondering if she's going to come out and interfere with it being a triple threat match. Uh, I would. There, that's the wild card here for me. I think so Brandy's, I'm picking Dr. Britt Baker based on what uh, I've seen on the YouTube show. But I would not be surprised if she came out and got you know Kylie Ray to be the one that won. I have a feeling there's not going to be a lot of interference on this show because they're going to want clean finishes. But uh, so I'm not True. seeing Brandy getting involved in this. Plus, she's already kind of working an angle with Allie right now for their next show. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a straight up match. I think Britt Baker's a great pick because they have been pushing her so hard. Um, I yeah, I could see her pinning Kylie Ray. Uh, it's actually hard for me to talk myself out of that. So I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think, I think Britt Baker is taking this one. Yeah. Um, although I could easily see any of the three of them going over here. Uh, I also have a hard time picking the next match. Best friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Of course, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta are the best friends. And Angelico and Jack Evans, if you're not aware of them from Lucha Underground or from their work down in Mexico, they're inc- insanely athletic. This is going to be another uh, possible you know, show stealing match. And I think this is brilliant that they're doing this. A lot of these guys actually it was uh, best friends were in the uh, battle Royale initially, and they got moved to this match. I think they want to showcase their tag division in AEW. And I think that they did a great job picking these four guys to be the ones to represent the tag division besides just the young bucks and the Lucha brothers. So I think that these guys are going to want to go out there and try to steal the show. But who do you think? Yeah. Do, who do you think is going over here? First of all, I just want to be clear. This might this stands to be the sleeper match on the card. This this could come in and steal the show if all four of these guys are just turned loose. Um, I think Angelico and Jack Evans are arguably two of the most exciting guys. Once you let them go in a ring, I'm going to pick them because I I'm, I'm more familiar with them. I think they are the high flyers. They could get that tag that label. Um, that they that they need in this division in this card. So, because I mean, if you look at the Lucha Brothers, other than outside of Phoenix, he's kind of the only other one that does that kind of stuff. There's not many other people, uh, Luchasaurus, you could say. Um, but they need the guys that are the high flyers that are the energy. So while I could see Chucky e. T and Trent picking it up, they they're going to be established long term. I think they're going to. I think Angelico and Jack Evans need to be established here. So I think they're going to get the win and go over uh, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta. See, actually, conversely, I think that Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta are the ones that need to be established, and Angelico and Jack Evans are going to put them over by being the high flying team. And so when they when they'll be fine, they're going to get over with people by being high flying. Whereas yeah. Chucky e. T and, and Trent need the win to get over. So I personally mm-hmm. think that they're taking it here. Um, okay. Speaking of 
uh, people people who with a long tenure in wrestling, SoCal uncensored. I think they the average. Boys. I think they average like twenty years a piece in wrestling. Like they'll talk talk about guys who've been around. Versus Sema, T Hawk, and L Lindeman. Sema was challenged by SoCal Uncensored to, to bring a team uh, from Oriental Wrestling, and he found T Hawk and L Lindeman, who are some serious flyers. Sema's also a legend, man. That guy was in WCW back in the day. He was a cruiserweight in WCW, yeah. so he's also been around the block. So this is another match I think is going to be one that people should not sleep on. Uh, but who do you think is picking this one up? What kind of Angelino would I be if I didn't pick SoCal Uncensored? Wow. Oh, man. But my kind of Angelino, you're not even an Angelino anymore. I think they're going to... Well, I was for like 15 years. Doesn't that count at a certain point? No. Once you leave, you're no longer an Angelino. That's how it works. Whatever. Whatever. You're you're now whatever you are, Carolinan, whatever the heck it is. Uh I think SEMA's taking this. I think they're putting. I hope you have an earthquake and California falls into the ocean. Mm, thanks. How are the hurricanes over there? Uh, so yeah. I think that SEMA. Go Sharks. Choke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's Northern California. Uh, so SEMA, I think, is uh, taking this one just because I think they want to put over that wrestling company. I think they want to put over the fact that he's going to be bringing in these guys. So they want to you make think, him a You think this is to build the alliance with that that company over there to go global? Absolutely. That's yeah, that's what I my guts, that. that's what my guts tell me. So, I, that's why I think he's taking it. Um next up we've got the brother versus brother match which I think gave us one of the best promos of the last 10 years, which was Cody versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh this is an interesting one because I could see them giving Dustin the wind here to try and say that he's still got it uh, and Cody lying down for his brother and then picking up the win at a later date. Or I could just see Cody cementing himself, especially with what he said in his promo about this. He's trying to put a, basically put a stake in the attitude era and say, no, 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 modern wrestling is better. And this is, and I'm going to prove it. Yeah. And I, I agree with Cody. It's time. It's been 20 years. It's, it's time to move on. And I think this is, on Dustin's part, a sort of passing of the torch kind of moment that their father would have been super proud of both of them for doing. And I think there's there's honor in honoring Dusty here with these two kind of having the... I don't want to call it a farewell match, but I don't know. I think this is the kind of moment that Cody needed to just cement himself, and I think that's what they're going to use this for. Yeah, I, I actually would have to agree entirely. I think this is this is definitely Cody cementing himself and what he's doing right now. We, we know that in real life, uh, Dustin is 100% behind his brother and he would want to support yeah. him in this company. So I think that him going over, Cody going over here would do that. That being said, I think this will be a very emotional match and it would not surprise me at all if both guys were wearing a crimson mask by the end of it. So oh, yeah. I have a, I have a, they're going to beat the absolute holy hell gonna, out of each other. They're going to beat the crap out of each other for sure. Uh, also, we have the Young Bucks, currently the AAA Tag Team Heavyweight Champions of the World versus the Lucha Brothers. Who do you have here? Well, you already wrote in LB for me, so I, how did I didn't, you know that? I didn't mean to. I was actually writing that in for myself, and I just put it in oh. under U.S. Dally. <laughs> uh, I, well, it's, it's fine that you did, because I am oh, picking perfect. the Lucha Brothers. <laughs> um, I think the fact that... Uh, this tequila this, this this tequila's is for, making me psychic, apparently. N- not, well, that fast? Damn, Okay. Um, so <laughs> this could be a lot of fun. And I think these two are going to have a long standing feud in this brand new company. They're going to put on an amazing show. They have great history together and chemistry together. Um, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. See Pentagon and Phoenix just going at each other. 
or with each other going at against these guys, this is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely picking the Lucha Brothers, especially because the AAA tag team titles are involved. Yeah, I think they're taking this home to AAA as well, especially yep. considering how big the match was that they had against the Young Bucks when the Young Bucks won the championships in the first place. So very much looking forward to this match. And finally, the main event, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. This time, not a no-DQ match, as Kenny's been quick to point out. It's going to be just standard rules, and we'll see, we'll see how Chris Jericho bends the rules here. Does this give Kenny an advantage in this match that Chris yes. can't bend the rules? Yes, it does, and I think Kenny Omega wins here. Chris Jericho's not going anywhere. He doesn't need this. He is a fantastic, evil shitbag that is going to just torment anybody that ever gets put up against him, and it's fantastic. Kenny needs this win here for the new promotion to have him do something outside of New Japan uh, you know, without Okada looking over his shoulder, so to speak. So I, I think Kenny here, and I also think Kenny here because it, I'm picking MJF to be his next opponent uh, based on MJF winning uh, the Casino Battle Royale. I think that's very likely. In fact, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that at all, even though I did pick Jimmy Havoc, and I think he'd be a great opponent for Kenny as well. I think MJF is definitely would be, would be a good uh, opponent for Kenny. Dick too. heel in a suit. Dick heel in a, <laughs> yeah, boy, he is a dick heel in a suit. Uh, that being said, Chris Jericho, I agree. He can afford the loss here. The way they're portraying him is as the guy who thinks that he's bigger than the company. He can lose here and still be that guy who thinks he's bigger than the company because he's still freaking Chris Jericho or Jericho, as they say in the NBA. So, yeah, no, this is absolutely, I think Kenny's going to win this one, 100%. Kenny, Kenny Omega wins this one, uh, and we go forward with him and whoever wins the Battle Royale to, uh, to take it. So do you think there's going to be any surprises on this? On this card, like what, um, what's going to happen instead of Hangman Page and Pac? Like what? What are we seeing? What? What are they? What do they have up their sleeve? They've been promising surprises and things that are going to make us jump out of our seat. Does is this? Because right now this card, I don't know about you, it's good, but is there enough to really get in the lapsed viewer, the lapsed fan? Do they have enough here to really make people go, "Oh wow, AEW"? Because you look back. Uh, I'm sorry to make this a long question, Nick, but you look back at All In. And you had some absolutely incredible matches on paper, like Christopher Daniels versus Stephen Amell, uh, Cody versus Nick Aldis, Hangman Page versus Joey Danella in the street fight was absolutely a banger match. Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon, Kenny Omega and Penta, uh, Pentagon Jr., Kazuchika Okada, for God's sake, versus Marty Skrull. Uh, and that's not even talk about the the main event, which is Golden Elite versus Bandito, Ray Phoenix, and Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio at the time. So um, do they have anything that's that's going to feel as big as all in here? Cuz this right now looking at this card doesn't feel as big as that all in card. I don't and I don't think that's the point. I think the point of this card is to establish the long game. This is the this is the starting line of what's going to be a very long marathon. And what they need to do here is establish who the key players are. So if they do that with the commentary and they do that with the storytelling and the matches, they are setting themselves up for success over the long term. If you look at this as a one-off, it's not anywhere near as exciting of a set of exhibitions as All In was because it was sort of an all-star game at All In. This is the future of all, all Elite Wrestling. What you're looking at, and with the Hangman Page and Pac match, you had a solid 10-match card, including a battle royal, uh, and you know, you've know you got a main event of Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho with Cody and Dustin Rhodes. There's a lot of stuff to like here, and what I'm most excited about is that they hit the ground running after this. 
I'm anxious to find out when the TV show is going to start. We've heard this fall, but we we're, they haven't really nailed that down as far as I know yet. But we've got this and Fight for the Fallen and a couple of other things happening this summer. I want to see this start to get into some long-term storytelling um, after this. But I think these matches on paper are going to be fantastic matches, uh, exhibitions of wrestling. Uh, let's see what they do with the outcomes and the storytelling within the match uh, to drive things forward going in the future. It's not just a one-off anymore. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think we'll see anything quite as spectacular as the parade of Dick Druids, but uh, I suspect that they will have some tricks up their sleeve that will definitely get people more invested in the company. So, Or Jushin Thunder Liger's uh, magnificent asshole with the, the thumb in the butt oh, and the conga line and PW, all that. Yes, right? PWG stunts. I don't think we're going to see any of those here, no. but uh, No, no. That, that's not, this is not the place for that, and I hope they don't make that mistake. That being said, if you see Jushin Thunder Liger come out in this show, don't be surprised. So I think, yeah. I think he's, he's the legendary asshole of Juice dude, and Thunder Liger. He's so much more than that. The man invented the shooting star press for God's sake. All right. Like he's, yeah. he's got, a, he's so much more than that. Come on now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think, I think of Juice, Jushin's on a retirement cruise right now. You know what I mean? He's, he's going around everywhere having his retirement matches. Wouldn't be surprised if Jushin did, did show up for this. Uh, that being said, Nick, we have a ton of show left to get to, including listener questions in New Japan. But first, we have to go over to NXT, because NXT also had a very solid show this week. Yes, Will, they did. Oh, my goodness. Lots of stuff we found out, because they have a takeover coming up at Bridgeport in a couple of weeks, and they're just making matches right and left. Uh, William Regal announced there will be a four-way match, tag team match, four-way tag team match between Red Dragon, which, of course, is Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, the Street Profits, the Britam Brawlers of Oni Lorcan and uh, Danny Birch, and the Forgotten Sons, and it's going to be a ladder match. Nick, it's going to be a... <laughs> it's gonna be oh, a, God, I'm tingling. Uh, 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 uh. This card is already shaping up to be good because not only do we have that match, we also realize that we're going to have uh, Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong and, oh. and Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano are going to go at it again. Good Lord. Good Lord, that's some good yeah. stuff. We also found Takeover out, 25 is going to be baller AF. It's going to be really good. We saw a whole bunch of stuff happen between uh, the Undisputed Era, Gargano, and, uh, and uh, Matt Riddle this week. It was a lot of fun, uh, including seeing the, the angry side of Matt Riddle. And this is, you know, Nick, we, we say this a lot, that when we started the show, one of the first things we did was do a little special about comedy and wrestling and the place it has and kind of yep. the more like comedic, lighthearted characters. And, and Matt Riddle, definitely when you, people first see him and they see like this bro, stoner, stiffler kind of character, Fast Times at Richmond High, bro. And then when he unleashes, you go, whoa, what happened to that guy? This week when he came out and attacked Undisputed Era in the middle of the uh, Cole and Gargano promo off, is I mean, that's the kind of riddle people are going to sit up and go, Oh, he's amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and it's, and he looks extremely vicious while he's doing, you know, zero F's. All four members of the undisputed era are in the ring and he just jumps in there and starts wailing on him. He's terrifying. That's, that's fantastic. He's actively terrifying when he's mad. And that's great. When you see that as, as you know, the, the, the dichotomy between the very chilled out guy and this psychopath makes him a much more interesting character and a, a fun guy to root for. 
So uh, the other question is that I have, do you think that at this point there's more of a story going on with Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era than anything going on with Johnny Gargano? Like, is it should Cole take the championship here just because there's more going on with the storyline with them, with Undisputed Era? Um, I think it's about time. I thought it would last until TakeOver Brooklyn uh, that's going to happen at SummerSlam. Uh, but now that they're doing – is that the – am I – mixed up here are they doing a separate takeover event than the one that happens at SummerSlam? this is the first takeover that they've done that isn't attached to a major wwe event so are they doing another one at SummerSlam that we know of that's correct okay that's where i, w- I had a missing screw loose or something there thing because okay so i had well, you a predicted- definitely have a screw loose but it, but you were not wrong about right that. <laughs> that's perpetual but i so i had always predicted that cole was going to take this off of gargano at the takeover at SummerSlam, and then they kind of threw this other one together uh in between them and that's where it's throwing me off a little bit i don't know if he's going to take it yet i like what they're doing i like the undisputed era fixed their issues and adam cole is back in the ring this week renewing his declaration that the undisputed era will be draped in draped gold in gold and running down all basically running down the card for us of what things the landscape of things right now of who's going to fight who for what titles well, and if roderick strong was facing for the north american title they would literally be all four of them would be facing for a title at takeover uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're the only person that's not roderick strong is the only person who's got a non-title match so that's where but, i was uh, going i think th- i don't think they're going to be draped in gold at this one i think we may get it done at SummerSlam and see the back half of the year have just be just run rampant by the undisputed era. I don't know that there's any other major storyline happening right now. Um, we did see some interesting stuff with Velveteen Dream and that North American title this week, however. Uh, Before we get to that, though, I got to say something, and that is that I'm hearing insider information that uh, Gargano's knee is messed up. So if Cole takes it off of him, that might mean because Johnny's got to go rehab that knee. Been hanging out with Ciampa too long, Johnny. Oh, well, or I don't know how many of those matches with um, Alistair Black and Andrade Cianalmas and then Champa. Uh, you know, yeah, the guy's got to be banged up quite a bit over the last two two, two years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't know how he messed up his knee, or even if that's a thing. I'm, again, I'm just he- hearing uh, solid information, but not a hundred percent yet. But if he does drop it to Cole at this uh, takeover, then he might need some time off to go fix that. That's um, fine. He's earned it. Before we get to, to Velveteen Dream, really quickly, we did see some more of Mansoor this week uh, after losing in a, in a really good you know, babyface match to Dijak last week. This week, he beat Sean Maluda, kind of the permanent enhancement talent for NXT ever since the Cruiserweight Championship. Is this the wrong kind of match to put Mansoor in if you want him to get over? Because he's, he, people, he got over in that Dijak match, and people just didn't care about him in this match. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> oh jeez! I mean, so, yeah, Sean Maluda kind of is you know another facet of the Samoan curse that I think uh, it's you know, not a curse. Vince McMahon is afflicted with you know between Roman and Nia Jax and etc. It's yeah, he's okay. Permanent enhancement talent, sure, but Mansoor, I think I like him fighting big dudes because he's tiny and lanky and flies around all over the place and can be clumsy at times, but that plays into his character of kind of being a new guy, much like Hergler her, her Burglar, whatever that guy is screaming. What but, the uh, heck did you just say? Uh, who's, the, uh, burglar? who's the guy that comes out wailing and screams? Hergelberger Burglar. <laughs> the Hamburglar guy. I, I know who you're talking about, Bumgardner, yeah. whatever his name is. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 
Bergen Bergenworth. Bergen burglar. Whatever. Bergen burglar. I don't know. I, I, oh my god! I think I went to use the bathroom during this match. I All right. Honestly well, let's, let's get on. Don't care. Then let's get on to something else. Let's yeah. get on to Velveteen Dream, who uh, got challenged. We know that Dijak's out because he's injured, so that program is not happening. So they had to find another guy to face off against Velveteen Dream, and who do they find? But the man who was doing the Velveteen Dream gimmick before Velveteen Dream was even a twinkle in Vince's eye. Not that he is now, but uh, that would be Tyler Breeze. Prince Pretty. Prince Pretty's back in NXT, and Nick, oh my God, this promo off just was the greatest thing ever. This was electric. I loved it. Uh, more, uh, more, please. Uh, you know, here's the funny thing. So many like... You know, you know, oh, I can't believe he said that moments, you know, like 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 the kind of stuff they wanted to have with John Cena and Roman Reigns where they break the fourth wall or anytime they do that, you know, CM Punk and The Rock or anytime they want to break the fourth wall about people's careers and stuff. They had so many of those lines and, oh, this was so much fun. And it just never and got I, awkward. It always got no. awkward with those others that you just rattled off, but this one never really got awkward. We were all along for this fun. ride. It was just fun. It yeah. was just so much fun, and I can't wait to see these guys work together. Uh, the best line, of course, of the whole thing was uh, when uh, Dream was making fun of how Tyler Breeze was kind of floundering on the main roster, and Breeze looks at him and goes, you know, when you write your name on your pants and they don't call you up, it means no one's paying attention to you. Ooh. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, my uh, goodness. I love it. I love it. More, yep. please. More, please. Yep. I hope we get some more between them before we even take over. Uh, yeah, so good stuff. Uh, and I like seeing Tyler back down at NXT. It's great when people come back down to NXT because even if they're on the lowest end of the main roster, they feel like a superstar when they come back down to NXT. They do. So good stuff. Uh, we also had a match. Candice LeRae versus Reyna Gonzalez. I'm not, I love seeing Reyna back. I think she's fantastic. Candice did pick this up, but the four horsewomen came down afterwards to beat her down. Uh, because she, of course, got into their business a week or two ago. But then out comes Io Shirai with a kendo stick and proceeds to just lay waste to everyone. It's almost like Io Shirai has wielded a kendo stick before and gives absolutely zero Fs. <laughs> yes. Yes, this absolutely. Was, this was like Becky and Charlotte levels of wielding kendo sticks. It's the most recent one I can remember when, when kendos were used properly. Yes. Um. Now, my only question here is, obviously, you know, EO and Shayna have something coming up. Do you think Candice is going to have a part of this, or was she just uh, an, an extra piece of the story? I think it's because the horsewomen attacked. and I, I think she has been circling uh, far out, sure, but I think she's been circling. And I think we even predicted earlier in the year there's, an, there's a chance that they were going to put the women's title on Candice LeRae alongside Johnny Gargano with the men's title. And I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. I think the things that the landscape has changed too much. I think Io Shirai is on a laser focus. She's going. She's going to be the next one. Bianca yeah, Belair I, has kind of flamed out. Lacey's gone. Oh, at I disagree. This point. I disagree with. I disagree with that statement entirely. Well, but I can think I finish that Io, my thought before you disagree? With it? Well, I got. I'm sorry. I got to pick that one out of the air before it lands. Go uh, ahead. Io Shirai is getting the next women's NXT championship at this mm. point. That's that's what that, I don't think Candice is. Candice is not irrelevant, but she's. I don't think she's a part of this picture. Or she was just there by happenstance. Well, you heard it from Nick first. We also had a, a match with Red Dragon, Fish, and O'Reilly versus Gargano and Riddle to end the show, as expected. That was you know it's funny because we know that they all have matches coming up at Takeover. So this is the kind of thing that they would book on the main roster is having these two guys and all these four guys in a tag team, these two teams. Beautiful. Um, 
Well, this is how it should be done because you had the big beat down at the end where uh, Undisputed Era stands tall to establish they're all on the same page. Um, you know, I, I think that this was good storytelling because they had a match that made sense and it had stakes because it shows that Undisputed Era is now a unit again and that basically Gargano and Riddle are two men against four. Yep. So I thought that was a great way to end the show very strongly. The what uh, they did this week in NXT makes me very excited for the build of this this takeover. Gargano and Riddle on one side against this monster faction of the Undisputed Era coming for three different sets of championships. I, I like this a lot. I like the way the things feel right now in NXT. Agreed. And they built for this takeover real quick and they still pulled it off. Yep. Uh heading Are you watching Vince? Live? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, apparently he's not actually. No. In a report, they said Vince rarely ever watches it. Uh, 205 Live. The Singh brothers were supposed to face Lucha House Party, but of course, Lucha House Party was currently being deported by uh, Lars Sullivan. So instead, they got Humberto Carrillo and Jack Gallagher and got whooped up on but in a very entertaining match, by the way. This was actually worth a watch, as was the Fatal Five-Way for the number one contendership for uh, Tony Nese's title, which featured Arya Davari, Mike Kanellis, Brian Kendrick, Oni Lorcan, and Akira Tozawa. The winner of that, Akira Tozawa. Uh, do you think of those five guys, he was the best option to go after Tony Nese, or is there someone else you'd rather have seen? Um, I think I might have rather seen an Umberto Carrillo in here or an Oni Lorcan win this match. Um, I'm not mad at Tozawa. He's fun. He knows how to work the crowd and get everybody into the match. But I don't. he's kind of had endless opportunities up until now, and he seems to be kind of the token guy when there's no one else to send up. Well, send, send, send Tozawa after it. I, give some other guys a chance here. I don't think uh, Davari had his shot. Canellas not ready. Kendrick, nah. Oni Lorcan, I think, is a newcomer. Umberto Carrillo is a newcomer. Let's throw those guys in a match. Maybe they come out and challenge Tozawa for his spot to go up and get the title. They could make this more exciting. It just feels lazy a little bit. But I will say, anytime you put four or five cruiserweights in a match together, watch out. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I agree. I think Tozawa is going to be one more guy to kind of establish Tony Nese as a, as a champion. Yeah. And then we'll move on to someone who might actually beat him. But it should still be entertaining matches. Speaking of entertaining matches, let's head over and talk about New Japan because Best of Super Juniors has been absolutely fan-freaking-tastic this year. Uh, and I know it's a lot of matches to watch. So it's, if basically just watch anything with Will Ospreay or Rocky Romero, and you'll probably watch a good match, especially the one between the two of them. Um I Nick, I was doing. I was up at six a.m. this morning, doing math for for the the bracketology for the best of Super Juniors right now. So we've got three more matches to go in both of the blocks. You got five and, minutes. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> oh my god! Get it out, Ace Ventura. Uh, let's go. <laughs> uh, see if I can pull this off. Um, really quickly, Robbie Eagles has been doing a great job. Even management's been saying like the matches he's been doing have been getting a lot of looks, which is crazy because you'd think that the, you know this would be big for a Japanese market, but apparently he's getting a lot of looks in uh, both Australia and the U.S. So they're looking very closely at Robbie Eagles right now. Block A, your number one Shingo Takagi with twelve points, Taiji Shimori with ten. That's the champ. Only has ten points, and Dragon Lee with eight. Over in Block B, tied at the top, El Fantasmo and Will Ospreay. Phantasmo's been having a great year, too, man. I wouldn't have seen uh, that happen, honestly. Well, very few people know about him. but Not he's, with uh, Taguchi and, Fanta- and uh, Osprey in the same block. 
You know, but that's the thing is, is obviously they're pushing Fantasmo hard. Osprey, I know, uh, is really pushing for him to be big over in New Japan because they're buddies from RevPro. But Fantasmo is incredible, and he's had a bunch of great matches as well. Robbie Eagles with eight, tied with Ryusuke, uh, Ryusuke Taguchi. So B-Block, very tied up. So let me try to break this down real quick. People who could possibly still win. A-Block, Takamichi Noku, Kanemaru, Tiger, and Titan, are, they're all out. They're mathematically eliminated. Marty Skrull and Sho are also eliminated because even if they win all the rest of their matches, Shingo Takagi holds the tiebreaker, and all they would do is tie him, and so they would be eliminated. Uh, Gresham is also eliminated by points because Shingo's got the most points, and uh, he also has a tiebreaker with Ishimori. Even if he wins them all, loses that tiebreaker. Um, the people who can win only are uh, Dragon Lee, Shingo Takagi, and Ishimori in Block A. Ishimori to win. He has to beat Shingo Takagi, the guy holding the most points. Plus, he has to beat either Sho or Tiger in one of his last three matches. So Ishimori's got to beat Shingo plus one other person. Dragon Lee's got the biggest hill to climb. He has to win all three of his last matches. Plus, Shingo Takagi has to lose all three of his matches or lose one and draw, excuse me, lose two and draw on one. And Ishimori has to be the one that beats or draws Shingo and then must lose or draw to Teton. So Dragon Lee's got a big hill to climb. Yeah, he ain't going. It's, yeah, he, it's over. At Dragon Lee's not winning this. I'm just telling no. you right now. It's going to be Ishimori or Shingo, like I said from the beginning. Shingo, all he has to do to win, Shingo just has to beat Ishimori, period. <laughs> That's it. Right. Shingo Takagi's got to beat Ishimori. He wins A block. So there you go. Uh, pretty sure Shingo's taking this one, unless Ishimori has a massive comeback. B block's a little bit more confusing. Uh, you've got uh, Ren Narita, Duki, and Rocky Romero out by point elimination. Bushi's out by tiebreaker. Bandito can win, but he's got to win all three, and Will Ospreay and El Fantasmo have to lose all three. That's not happening. That's Sorry, not happening. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, Robbie Eagles could still win, but he's got to win all three, plus he has to beat Will Ospreay. Uh, and El Fantasmo has to lose all three. So basically, Eagles going to win three. Fantasmo lose all three. Um, if Osprey beats Eagles on on this coming Sunday, then both Eagles and Bandito are done. So that's that's a pretty quick one. Yep. Osprey beats Eagles. It, it narrows the field significantly. Uh, for Taguchi to win, he has to beat both Osprey and El Fantasmo. Plus, both Osprey and Fantasmo have to lose at least one. So, because uh, Eagles has a has a tiebreaker over Taguchi, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's Eagles is going to lose, or Taguchi is going to lose one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's not happening. Um, so right now you're looking at Osprey or El Fantasmo. They're tied. Neither one can afford to lose. Osprey is facing Dookie, Eagles, and Taguchi. Um, he can't afford to lose to Eagles or Taguchi at this point. LP also is facing Dookie, and he's facing Taguchi and Yo. Neither guy can lose. Basically, so the but the the strongest person Phantasmo uh, is facing is Taguchi and arguably Yo. Osprey's got a hill to climb with both Eagles and Taguchi on his plate, so I, it could go either way. Still, Nick, this is the crazy one. I realized Yo can still pull this out. It's going to take a damn miracle, but Yo could still win. And I spent so much time on this. I don't care if I'm going overtime. I have to tell you how this works. Okay, Yo has to eat. Okay, on each of the the shows left. Yo has to beat El Fantasmo. Taguchi has to lose to Ren, and Osprey has to lose to Eagles. Then at the next show, uh, fan, uh, Yo has to beat Ren Narita. Osprey has to lose to Duki, and Taguchi and Fantasmo have to draw. And then finally, 
uh, Yo has to beat Eagles, Phantasmo has to lose to Dookie, and uh, Taguchi and Osprey have to draw. And then Yo will have 12 points, Osprey will have 11, Phantasmo will have 11, and Taguchi will have 10, and Yo will take B-Block! Yo can still make this, man. I'm just saying. That's not happening. It's not <laughs> I did all that work. You got to give. I, him I at respect least a and appreciate the work you put into that, but come on, except it's, we, come it's, on, Tequila it's, Sunrise. It's, it's, That's not happening. It's possible. You know that. I'm just saying it's it could happen. Tequila but is truth serum. It will set you free. You know this most, is not happening. But it most likely is going to be Shingo Takagi versus either Osprey or Phantasmo right. in the finals, and Which that's going to be, be banger. A fantastic finals. All right, sir. We are running late. Sorry to take so long with New Japan, but that's some fun stuff. And you know I love my bracketology. Yes. Well, let's head over and talk about some listener questions. And thank you to all of our listeners who sent these in. And thank you to our patrons who, uh, who support the show and, as a result, get to ask us questions. Yes. If you guys want to get in on some of this action, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for just that $5 tier or more if you want some more stuff. But that's all you have to be in to get, uh, get questions in every single week. Just 5 bucks a month. Uh, first up, Brian. I know everyone was hap- unhappy with not happy. I know everyone was unhappy with Lesnar winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. But do you think it would be possibly beneficial for WWE if they keep the briefcase on him for an extended period of time? He only shows up at a handful of times a year, so it may be may keep people engaged if they tease it every so often by having him or Heyman show up on either show. It could bring the surprise factor when he finally cashes it in. Or do you think they'll drop the ball again and have him cash it in with the next month? I don't think it's dropping the ball to have him cash it in. I think I think having him hold it long term is a bad idea unless they have him disappear for a long time for like six months. We don't hear a damn thing about him yeah. or from him. They don't remind us that he has the briefcase. Nothing. Make us forget he's Mr. Money in the Bank, and then have him show up randomly. That's the only way that'll be exciting. If they keep reminding us he has the Money in the Bank, it's going to get old so quickly. If we're sitting there and they're like, okay, he's not coming out. We know he's not coming out. You know what I mean? You can only cry wolf so many times before people people are going to get bored by it. So, no. I think they have to have him cash in by the end of the summer, or they have to have him go away. Like, like not Brock Lesnar go away where he comes back every two months. I mean, go away. And then come back much later. I think if he completely disappeared until, like, Royal Rumble or even you know, a stretch WrestleMania, that could be a big deal. You know, have him on social media walking around Vegas or just carrying the briefcase everywhere he goes. Do some teaser stuff like that, just not on TV. But I agree with you. There's, I don't think there's any way they do that. I think we're there, he's going to cash in soon. It's a law of diminishing returns with how many times you tease it. The more yep. you tease it, the less people care. And they did it twice this week. So remember, remember, Seth was teasing it all year, and then he stopped for three months before he cashed in at WrestleMania. Yep. So there you go. Yep. Thank you, uh, Brian. Next up, Jacob. How far into ridiculousness would they have to go, or how long would it take for people to get over the 24-7 title? Something like Ramblin' Rabbit rolling up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mascot at Mania. I think this is what we were talking about earlier. Yes. Uh, th- it has to stay silly, and it has to stay ridiculous for this to continue to be fun. The minute they make it serious, it takes away, it takes all the wind away from it. I would say as far as they can into ridiculousness. The more ridiculous they get, the more fun it is. And that's the way with any kind of comedy skits they do. Like The more insane uh, the fashion police got, the more fun it was. Like Go, go crazy. It's wrestling. Like we were talking about earlier, people wrestled the invisible man. Go nuts. 
Go Ramblin Rabbit, Ramblin Rabbit rolling up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mascot at WrestleMania next year. That is a brilliant idea. Dude, you I swear to God, if you that would be uh, I like that I dude, Benny the Bull. Benny the Bull holding the 24-7 championship. I'm all about it. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Bring it. Thank Bring you, it. Jacob. That's a lot of fun. We're looking forward to the 24-7 stuff. Uh, next up, Eric. Ricky Steamboat was Ric Flair's best rival. So is Becky Charlotte's Steamboat? Not yet. You need about 10 more years of them being a rival, being rivals. Yeah, because they've kind of reali- been super best friends for the last 10 years. Yeah, we've, we've had a, what, a, not even a year yet of Becky the man and being a rival with, with Charlotte. So long way to go before that's, it's on Steamboat Flair level. Yeah. But is it possible? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, we'd yeah, have to get to I, at least SummerSlam before it was even a year, honestly. The chemi- yeah, that's what I mean. The chemistry's there. The chemistry's absolutely there. Um, but I think, yeah, long way to go before we can start calling it on the level of, of steamboat and flair. <laughs> right, right. Good point, though. Thanks, Eric. Next up, Dominic. Do you think Tyler Breeze going for Dream is nothing more than a last-minute change due to Dijak's injury, or is it the beginning of people going back to NXT to work on their characters, thinking of Buddy Murphy, uh, Drew Gulak, maybe Apollo Crews even? I don't think it's the beginning of people going back to NXT to work on their characters. I think they've done that for a while, but it's more like a, a guest star appearance, you know, we, which we've had before. Drew Gulak coming down and, and facing uh, Matt Riddle, uh, Ricochet, or excuse me, Tyler Breeze facing Ricochet. Was it Ricochet? Who did he come back with before? before? Uh, I don't and, remember. But my, my point stands is that it's, it's, they bring people down from time to time. Definitely a last-minute replacement for Dijak's injury. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant one. Not like he was doing much on the main roster, but playing video games with, with Xavier Woods. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I, do I think it's the beginning of it? It's not the beginning of it happening. I would love to see it happen more often, though. I'd I love think, to see more of it. I, I think I would have preferred to, you guys are going <laughs> to, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I would have Uh-oh. preferred to have driven the, the, the ship more into the Undisputed Era kind of Titanic thing of getting them all draped in gold and have a program with Roderick Strong and, and Dream going into this. And I think we'll still get that probably going into the SummerSlam time frame. But I, I, I think don't, I, don't, I, don't, yeah, I, don't I think like Tyler Breeze showing up. I just don't know if he's the one that, you know, does it undo anything that could have been done differently uh, that's already on the card? No, th- I think they're doing everything the right way with this. Right. I, I like this. I like this. Thank you, Dominic. Good question. Uh, Jonathan, next up, how long till one of the women take the 24-7 title? I think it's a great place for Nia and even Sonya Deville to play. Hmm. I'm, yeah, <laughs> Lana could actually win a title in the WWE. I, I don't think it's going to be... I'm, have, have one of the announcers take it. My God. that would Come on, how much fun would that be? Have Funaki Sarah, Sarah, take it at the next Sarah Shriver. Yeah, something. like have have one of the announcers come out. Like Mauro Ronaldo suddenly is the twenty four seven champion. Go crazy! How long before the women take it? It could be. It could be. Uh, uh, JBC is still here. She's pointing at herself. JBC for twenty four seven champ. Uh, this could, it, it, could, it could be next week. Carmella could could suddenly pin our truth. <laughs> I mean, it's it's seriously. It could happen that quickly. Yeah, that's why this is exciting. How long till one of the women take the title? tomorrow i want to see the Today. portuguese announced team take it and then get on a plane and go back and the the, the roster has Portugal. to pursue them in a skit back to south america heck with uh, that to, the hindu guys and all of a sudden they go oh, back yeah. and they start they start getting protected by the great kali back in india oh uh, this is what i'm talking about it needs to be this silly it writes itself. Yes, this is all great stuff. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Great question. Uh, I Actually, to his point, I think having some of the more 
uh, bruiser females like Anaya or Sonia Deville, the strikers of sorts, uh, intermixing in the kind of intergender setup but with the men, I think might uh, show some favor there as well. But that starts to get into serious territory where you're where you're justifying. I don't want to have to do that. Just make the me title. not even have to think about it. How about this? So during a uh, during a Randy Orton match, uh, the title gets run through the ring. Randy Orton, in a fit of fury, RKO's the uh, current title holder, takes the title, and suddenly, for some reason, Randy's the uh, the title, the twenty four seven title holder. He's the champion. He doesn't even know what to do with it. He's just carrying around like I don't know what to do with this. I'm Randy Orton. I've had every title there is. I don't care about this title. All of a sudden, from out of nowhere. Nia Jax RKO's Randy Orton gets back in him for what happened at the Royal Rumble. Nia Jax is your new 24-7 champion, and you got to put a championship belt, the ugliest championship belt, on that ugly Nia Jax shrine thing I got for you. How about that, Nick? I like that booking. So our next question is comes in from Will. Um, let's see. I've read that Dolph was a last-minute replacement for both KO and Daniel Bryan as they have refused the Saudi show. Yes, that is accurate. Is this just a one-off for him, or do we finally see him floating around the main event like his legacy probably warrants? You know, funnily enough, I think it will be a one-off for him. I think this is going to be... We're going to see him come back for this, and I don't know if they have anything else for him after this. They've got everyone they need on SmackDown. I don't know if they have something for him. Uh, And if he does lose this, does he stay in the main event? I don't know why he would. Um, mm. I would like to see more of Dolph, I think, but I think, I think like we were saying earlier in the show, they've got to do something more with him, like make him more exciting. Right now, he's still this kind of, he's like a wet napkin ever since he did the whole, uh, you know, making fun of everyone's theme songs and entrances. Like he just felt like a, a, a wet napkin every time he comes out. Like he's like, oh, it's Dolph Ziggler. Dolph and was it, at I, his peak when he won Money in the Bank and he was, he was flanked by AJ Lee and Big E, and he, had, he was walking around with that giant world championship after cashing in on Del Rio. That was peak Dolph Ziggler. The show-off, the blonde curly hair, uh, yeah, everything. No one's arguing that. No one's arguing that. We need but to I get think back to, to that, get, though. Well, yeah, agreed. Some of the excitement of that, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you, Will. Uh, next question, Chris. Was there any reason to tease Brock showing up on SmackDown by sending out Heyman? especially the same night that Kofi got taken out by Ziggler and no Brock to cash in around. So this is one of the points. Here's, a, here's an idea for a swerve. Let Heyman cash in, showing that Brock doesn't need to show up. So a quick side note here. One of the things I said at the beginning of the show when we were talking about Raw, there was a perfect moment after five-plus minutes of silence while they were loading Kofi onto the stretcher to just hit Brock Lesnar's music. Like they, they, they messed it up by doing it earlier in the show to set up the Dolph Ziggler attack when it could have just been a Kofi promo where Ziggler attacked. Save that for later in the show. I was waiting with bated breath for Brock's music to hit while Kofi was down and being loaded on a stretcher. And the fact that they did it and they did it earlier was, was very frustrating to me. So I, I totally get your point here, Chris. I agree with that. Uh, if they were going to do it, it should have been done in a time when it was more realistic than setting up think- Dolph. Two things. One, I think if they had done it while Kofi was being loaded up, people, more people would have been asking, why didn't he get him then? Because he was obviously he could, or is he just playing mind games? Yeah, I don't know. But I, I, th- I, th- you know, I still think it's it's diminishing returns the more you do it. So should they have had Heyman come out and do it here? Eh, you know, I could see both arguments. If they keep doing this for two or three weeks, no, it's it's going to get really stale. Yeah. Also, I'm looking at the note. I think what he was actually saying was, let Heyman cash in on a show that Brock doesn't show up to. That's actually kind of funny. Heyman, Heyman has, comes out the briefcase and goes, we're cashing in, we're cashing in. Brock, come get him. 
Brock? Brock? Ah, oh, crap. He's not even here this week. And Heyman becomes champion? No, just Heyman screws up and <laughs> Brock isn't even there. Oh, I think that Brock he's loses make, his briefcase and, you know. He's making a joke that Brock doesn't show up to shows. I think yeah, is what he's doing. Right, I get it. <laughs> oh. Uh. Thank you, Chris, for the question. Uh, next up, Andy. I've watched a trend. Of I've watched a trend of that on Raw SmackDown after a pay-per-view. There's one match from that pay-per-view is recontested, and the TV match turns out to be way better than the pay-per-view match. Roman versus Elias Wednesday is one example, but this trend has been going on for a few years now. I'd like to know your thoughts as to why. I um, don't goddamn know. No, nobody knows. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. I, that's isn't that the weirdest thing, Andy? Like, and that's just, it's something as you said. We've seen it for years and years and years. They have a pay-per-view match, and it's a little bit subpar, and then for some reason they go out the next night on the regular show and do the same match again, and it's a better match. It, it, it is mind-boggling. I agree. I don't know why that always... It was even the first ever Women's Money in the Bank match. They screwed yeah. it up, and they'd redo it, and it was way better. And it was the same it, outcome, and it was crazy. so much better. <laughs> yeah, okay. But yeah, awesome. but no, yeah, I, I agreed. We have no idea why. <laughs> it's just the, it's they the figure out what thing. they did wrong and they scald them in the back as they do better, damn it. You know, and that's about Who it. Knows. Maybe I don't know. Thank you very much, everybody, for your questions. I hope everybody has Oh no, wait, we're not done yet. Oh god. Oh, we've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. Oh man, here we go. So as we just mentioned, uh in the question section, yes, Daniel Bryan, Alistair Black, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn are not going to Saudi Arabia. Sami Zayn's not going, obviously, of Syrian descent, and there are tensions between Syria and Saudi Arabia. Daniel Bryan, uh, he went for the the greatest Royal Rumble, and then once the Khashoggi thing happened, he uh, he bowed out and just couldn't do it because of moral reasons. Alistair Black uh, apparently can't go because of t- his tattoos. They don't allow him in there because of all his tattoos, although also for moral reasons. And Kevin Owens, we haven't heard why he's not going. He just didn't, didn't want to go. So could be moral reasons, could be other things. We don't know. But those four guys are not going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, also, another news: Ruby Riot underwent double. She went under. She went uh, under so, uh, shoulder surgery. Excuse me, not double. She's due for another one. So we're two both her shoulders. That's like Sami Zayn level stuff. So she's yeah. probably out for at least six months, uh, if not more, depending on when she has her other shoulder operated on. Uh, over in NXT UK, we had the rematch between Walter and uh, Pete Dunne. No real finish on this one as Pete Dunne looked to be about to win. Out came Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel to interfere. Walter now is in a stable over in NXT UK, kind of reminiscent of Ring Kampf. But uh, that's, I, I think that's very exciting and an awesome look for both Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel. Very predictable. I think we even called that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, or we may, we may have reported it early accidentally. Whoops. Oops. Um, as we mentioned earlier, JoJo and Bray Wyatt have had a son. Nash, spelled K-N-A-S-H, six, spelled S-I-X-X, Rotunda. Nash, six, Rotunda. There's a name for you. Uh, uh, Healthy baby boy. Apparently, everyone's doing well, but as we mentioned, JoJo had severe complications and barely survived. So, so glad she's doing okay. So glad the kid's doing okay. So glad Bray was there as well. Uh, But yes, congratulations to them. Healthy new member of the Rotunda family. Great grandson or grandson of uh, IRS. <laughs> uh, it has also been announced we're going to have a catch point war. 
Drew Gulak versus Matt Riddle is set for Evolve 131. Yeah, right? The 10th anniversary show on July 13th in Philadelphia. So keep an eye on Evolve because that match is good. Those guys go way back, Gulak and Riddle. That match is going to be absolutely spectacular if they're uh, NXT matches, any indication. Uh, Jordan Grace, people didn't know where she was going. We noted that she did not have a contract. She was working for Impact without a contract. Impact was scrambling to sign her. Uh, she looked at all of her options. WWE, everyone felt like she would have gotten lost in the shuffle. Uh, and AEW would have wanted her to not work anywhere else, which would have meant that she couldn't really do anything for a while until they really got going. So she decided that she was happy where she was working with Impact and signed a long-term contract with them this week. So do we Jordan know any terms Grace, of the deal? We don't beyond the fact that it is, quote, a long-term contract, at least a few years. Wow. So Jordan Grace will be gracing impact wrestling for at least a while to come uh also we speculated this when he first left wwe but yes. i can now officially say it's official dane malenko to aw aw you heard it here but you might have heard it here first because we speculated that right when he first left but it is official dean malenko will now be working for aew that is fantastic news he's a great producer a smart wrestler one of the greatest to ever do it man of a thousand and one moves i think he's one uh, of the greatest minds in wrestling to be honest you know i, I I'm very excited about this. I am not going to argue with you. And fi uh, finally, two more things. WWE is going to be airing the NXT Combine. That's where they're going to show off uh, all of the, uh, basically kind of like the NFL Combine. It's a whole bunch of like strength and speed tests. And we're going to see who in NXT is the strongest, the fastest, who's best bench presser, et cetera, et cetera. That's going to be airing on uh, this Sunday, excuse me, this Sunday at 11 Pacific, 2 Eastern. So if you ain't doing nothing Sunday morning or Sunday early Sunday afternoon, if you're on the East Coast, check out the NXT Combine. I, I have a feeling that's actually going to be really cool. Uh, I like that kind of reality stuff. And finally, speaking of reality, Ric Flair is officially out of the hospital. He's going home. He is okay. And uh, he tweeted out that he is on the mend. He underwent some heart surgery this last week. But apparently now he's doing okay. And Ric Flair, will, he won't be at StarCast, uh, unfortunately, but he is on the men. So, woo! Get better soon, Nate. The last thing you want to do after coming out of heart, ser heart surgery is go spend the weekend in Vegas, especially if you're the nature boy. I think they were going to roast him, too. So the last thing you want to do after getting heart right. surgery is go to Vegas and get roasted. Right. So, so yeah, get, get better soon, Nate. And that's the news, sir. Awesome. Well, guys, that's our show. Sir Ian Dangerous has some drinking and wrestling to watch uh, out in Las Vegas, and we are head. I am headed to the beach myself this weekend. But I really hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Ryan Nemeth. I've listened to it several times back now. Uh, that was really fun, and we're looking to do a lot more of those throughout this new third year that we are entering. Uh, really hope you guys enjoyed the show today as well. Looking forward to watching AEW with everybody tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, I'm out for the weekend, so you guys have fun. I'll I'll catch up with you when we get back in you have fun in vegas at aew but if you want to get in on some of these fun shenanigans behind the scenes you got to be in the busted wide open discussion group head over to facebook uh search for busted wide open find that join button and send us a request we'll get you right in also follow us on twitter and instagram at bwo podcast youtube at youtube.com slash c slash busted wide open be sure to hit that notification bell because we're going live next week Oh, my God, we're going oh live. Oh, my God, it's finally happening. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready. Oh. <laughs> Prepare yourselves. 
Oh, man. And then, at last but certainly not least, thank you so much for all the love from our patrons and for being willing to contribute to our show going forward. Uh, if you want to get on some of that with the awesome rewards and perks, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our reward tiers over there to get access to show notes, ability to add listener questions every single week, bonus episodes, all kinds of fun stuff happens over there. If you're not in, you're missing out. Uh, for a very little bit of money every single month, patreon.com slash BWO. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. I'm JBC. You can find me on Twitter at Judith Brooke. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.